Hey, what's up, guys? Phil Faleo here, one of your hosts of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast, and welcome to episode 75. In this podcast, I'm joined by my good friend, Matthew Solowinski, also known as Solo. Matt and I served together as Scout Snipers in 1st Battalion, 4th Marines as team leaders, and then instructed together at 1st Marine Division Scout Sniper School in Camp Pendleton, California. Matt's story is pretty crazy, but phenomenal at the same time. He was court-martialed, thrown into the brig, and now is a gunnery sergeant of Marines, which is kind of unheard of. It's funny, if you ever see Matt at first, you see this huge, tatted up, super intimidating person that will want to take your lunch money. But as you start to peel back the layers, you'll find a humble individual that's passionate about his craft, passionate about teaching others, and a natural leader with the best qualities that a leader can possess. We talk about his journey of a Marine, and also as he grew as a leader, mentor, and a teacher. I look up to Matt's willingness to always be a student, especially with the background that he has. He's super active in our modern day rifleman network, and I love that his goals align with ours at Modern Day Sniper. And sorry guys, as a fair warning, this podcast is pretty explicit, so we don't recommend listening if you have any family around. The Marine definitely came out in both of us. If this is your first time listening to the Modern Day Sniper podcast, welcome. If you're coming back, thank you for being listeners of our podcast being supportive, and welcome back. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks, guys, and you know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Matt, thanks for taking time to to come on out. I'm excited to uh, share your story with the audience, and um, I appreciate you making the time this evening to uh, do a little podcast with us, or with me at least. Yeah, for sure, man. I, mean, I appreciate the invite, like I said. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been talking about it off and on for a while, but I guess the stars finally aligned. Yeah. So, uh, what do you are you on leave right now? So I actually am. I came off a of leave last week, or technically Monday. Um, sorry, Friday, and then Monday I went in, and they're full fledged into courses. And since I have officially turned over with uh, with Carney from Mountain, and I think you know him, I think you guys have talked before. Um, I basically don't have a job. So I just text in the morning and then I'm just got all my checkout stuff done. So I'm just waiting basically Friday morning. I'll go in and turn my, uh, the last bit of stuff I have to do for EOTG, get my stamps. And then Monday morning, I'll go to IPAC outbound, get my orders and then drive up North and check in. Nice. Sounds easier said than done. I always yeah, hated, I, I, like <laughs> I always hated checking in and out. I mean, it was just such an asinine process, you know. And I get it, right? You got to make sure everyone, everyone there needs to make sure they're taking you off your roster, off the roster. And then when you check in, they're putting you on the roster. Um, but I just remember, even for like small TAD things, right? That was the worst. It's like checking out, like, I mean, who the fuck cares? They're gone for three months. <laughs> Dude, I honestly still don't understand it because like when Rob checked in, his DTS didn't change over for like till a week before we went to your course. And he'd been there for a year. He's yeah. like, I don't know from a DTS. I'm like, the call, and they're like, yeah, we're off the roster. And the other guy's like, no, it still says he's on his old unit roster. I'm like, what's the point of this check-in checkout process if the guys aren't clicking whatever buttons or whatever, whatever they got to do? So something always comes up. It's weird. And so for my... For the non uh, like military types, TAD stands for temporary assigned duty, 
and is essentially going to like a school away from your main unit um, for, you know, three or four months at a time. Um, but in, in, in uh, Matt's case, he's PCSing, which is permanent change of station from uh, Lejeune, Camp Lejeune to Quantico, but we'll, we'll dive into that. But anyways, yeah, I figured uh, we can just talk about who Matt Solo is kind of from, from the start. Um, talk about your days at, uh, as a, as a grunt. And then how you essentially rolled into, uh, you know, the, the sniper community that you and I both love. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it away. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, so born and raised in, uh, California, I actually grew up depending on which, which road you take or which highway you take about an hour away from Pendleton. And I didn't even know Pendleton existed until I went to boot camp. Uh, <laughs> um, and then that was in 2005, uh, joined the Marine Corps, yeah, 2005, July 5th, went to boot camp, graduated September-ish, uh, went to ITB, we got that sweet uh, last course during uh, the holiday season, so we, like, had the ball, Christmas leave, so, like, instead of the two two months or eight weeks it is for ITB, ours was, like, three, we didn't actually graduate till like, January after the next year. Uh, cause we had to take all the lead blocks and stuff. Um, and then I ended up getting checked into one five around that time. Uh, I was at one five. Hold up, hold up, hold up real quick. First off, why the Marine Corps when you graduated? Um, and, oh, and I mean, even, even, even like before the Marine Corps, like what, what, like I could, I, cause I know, I know, I already know the answer, but I'm <laughs> even when I found out this is what you did, I was like, dude, that's pretty freaking badass. Like, cause I would have never guessed that you were into civics and stuff like that. But yeah, so, so let's, let's okay. still turn back to time All here. Right. We'll, we'll dive like, back to high school. Like high school, <laughs> high school, Matt, Matt, Matthew Solowinski or Matthew. Right. So high school, yep. So high school, um, honestly, we'll say, even say all the way back. I grew up obviously Southern California, played outside. You know, it was back before the phones and like all the video games and stuff like technology was like on the verge of getting like crazy. So, yeah, we played Super Nintendo, um, stuff like that. But most of our time was outside playing sports. Um, I got into high school 2001. Uh, I remember I was in biology class when September 11th happened. Um, that kind of solidified it for me. I don't think I really understood it then or realized it. Um, Cause again, I grew up watching Rambo, you know, Commando, all the owners of Schwarzenegger movies, Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone, anything that I do with guns and Jack, Jack muscles. I was like, yep, I just want to lift weights and shoot guns. Um, so I ended up joining the football team. Uh, I blew my knee out. Um, not freshman year, but sophomore year. So I, you know, September 11th happened. I was on the football, I was still on the football team, did my freshman year. Still didn't really know what I was going to do um get through hell week and all that that you know soft uh junior sorry freshman to sophomore summer and the last day of hell week uh i've got folded in half on the field by a good buddy of mine uh his name is marcus and i mean like if you can see my hands like right foot here in the cleat so we'll say my toes are the, are the cleat and my lower this hand is lower. This is upper. I mean, my leg went 
more than 90 degrees sideways. So my shoulder hit the ground before my cleat came out of the, out of, out of the grass. Um, so I was down, obviously couldn't play, had to go you know, ACL, MCL, PCL, LCL, meniscus. I think I have like one original ligament left in my knee, the right one. Um, recovered from that, went into sophomore year. Uh, I'm sorry, during my sophomore year, went back to the team, got, got cleared hot to play, uh, made it all the way through sophomore to junior summer. Did Hell Week the whole nine. First game of junior year. Uh, I was doing an inside slot receiver, got tackled. The other knee went and blew half the ligaments in my other knee and uh, the meniscus. So that one took longer. The The doctor made me wait nine months that time. Um, so I basically didn't play senior year. I was like, I'm over it. Basically, it's kind of into a knucklehead. I had enough gradu- uh, credits to graduate. So I took like photography. I never took a picture of the entire year I was in the class. Um, you know, it's ceramics. I think I made a bong. Um, Mom, if you listen to this, it's not um, one of the pots that you have in the house that you use on display, I swear. Um, and just stuff like that, because I already knew um, that I didn't need any more credits to graduate. And I was actually talking to the Army because uh, I was going to do the x-ray program because, of course, you know, every kid in high school thinks they're going to be a special forces or or, you know, Navy SEAL. Um, I went through that whole process. It got pretty close to graduating. And then I guess the Army had actually changed their policy where they weren't taking x-rays um, or SF contracts out of high school. So I was like, all right, well, then I'll just graduate, come back two weeks after I graduate, and then I'll sign up. And he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I was like, why? I won't be, I won't be in high school anymore. Um, and I just felt like he was being shady. Now looking back at it, I realized it was a uh, an Army mandate uh but i basically was like oh, i think he's been lying to me so the marine marine corps recruiter's door was literally five feet to the right so i walked out went to went five feet to the right and walked in that door looked at their uh, the recruiter and i was like hey i want to join the marine corps um they said okay and then gave me the paperwork i went home my mom's like no uh, well then so then i was didn't really have the option a whole lot because right? my mom was like no so i was like all right i have to wait till i graduate well, my buddy Ruben, you know, he was on the football team with me. He had the recruiter come to school and meet me, kind of like cornered me in, in the, during lunch. Uh, and then the recruiter's like, you know what? We'll come in. We'll go talk to your mom. So we went and talked to my mom. She said no. And I'm like, mom, like, you can sign the paper now or I'm going to turn 18 a week before I graduate and I'm going to sign the paper then. So I'm really just giving you the option of giving me your blessing. Cause it's going to happen regardless. So of course, you know, she signed it un- unhappy. Um, I went to book. I went to a uh, vacation to Hawaii for like three days or four days. And then I came back and I went straight to boot camp. Uh, so I've been out of, I've been out of high school for about five and a half days, went to boot camp. Uh, I think like six of us came from our RS um, through the high schools around in my town. Um, we all ended up being squad leaders. I ended up being the guide. Um, so I was company Ironman at a boot camp. So I went from a private to a Lance Corporal and, you know, three months of getting tr- trained, not haste, trained. Hold on a second. You you were how how big were you here? Like, are you? I mean, are you well, like one fifty, one sixty? Uh, I went in about one fifty eight, and I graduated at one forty seven. Okay, I mean that's one one fifty eight is pretty big for you know being eighteen years old and five. You're like five ten, aren't you? You're my height. No, dude, I'm five eight and a half. I'm okay, well, so well, either way, that's still pretty yeah. big. I mean, I weighed a buck 
like 25 soaking wet when I joined the Marine Corps, you know? So, yeah, I think and, honestly, just because I kept getting hurt. So I was just working out and eating because I couldn't re really play. So I kept thinking I was going to go back to the team. So I was like, I got to get bigger because I can't get taller. So I put on probably like 30 pounds over my high school career. Um, we still haven't gotten into the, your, uh, your, um, Toretto days or was that, yeah. was that, was that your, uh, uh, uh like junior boot year of the Marine Corps? Yeah. It was kind of like senior to first couple of years in the Marine Corps. So of course, you know, everyone knows Dominic Toretto, um, fast and furious was big when I was in high school. So, I mean, like, uh, I had a civic, I had all the aftermarket parts on it that you could get, you know, with the fake stickers. So if you got pulled over, you'd think you'd, you'd pass smog or you wouldn't get your car impounded. Uh, I went from a Civic. Then I, uh, before I sold it, I got a Honda Prelude SI. Um, and then I ended up getting a 97 Eclipse that I actually, well, my mom bought it, but I basically like took control of it. So I was basically like, I mean, if it, if it had wheels and a steering wheel, like I was, I was, I was pushing hundred miles an hour in it. I didn't care. Drift in, doing dumb stuff. And that was up until say, uh, my second deployment. So I basically had those three. I ended up getting a Ford Ranger also. So at this point I had four cars. All of, them, all of them cost me probably like 2,2500 a piece. Uh, I was, I don't know. I was like, dude, I was such a retard. I was like, I want a car for every day of the week. So I could pick up a different car every day of the week. That's um, my problem with but, rifles right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, they're all cheap four bangers, nothing crazy. Um, and I, so I ended up selling the Civic and then every other vehicle that I had, I systematically blew the engine um, or crashed it. Um, actually, when I, I told my forerunner uh, before my second deployment and I actually, so I actually got like 14 grand for it. I paid off what I owned and I spent the rest of the money on tattoos and then I deployed. Um, so, you know, I was like real smart back then. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so i mean that was basically like i was like i said i was street racing we were doing the whole nine racing on the highways the back roads basically anything that had to do with fast and furious we were all about it glow kits i mean the whole nine i mean we did everything we tried to pretend like we knew what we were doing so we were just ripping things out of the engine that we didn't need we're like oh we don't need these seats they're, they're too heavy pull them out you know we didn't know what we were doing but we felt like we were the kings of corona i uh, i guess why i find this funny is because i think when we first met there was a barrier there between obviously you were a senior you were technically my senior senior and um you had indocked in after i think it was my second deployment with one four um yeah and yeah. you know you just didn't come off and I know we'll get this. You just didn't come off as that typical uh, Sergeant Rankle of, Hey, I just came from the grunts. Yeah. You need to respect, you know, I, and I love Rankle. Don't get me wrong. He was the epitome of, a, of an NCO, but obviously with Rankle, he set the bias for what I, I had to expect from um, NCOs coming straight from the line companies to the state platoon. Does that yep. make sense? And so, yep. Yep. When we were talking, I think, you know, uh, somewhere throughout the workup and you brought that up, I was like, I would have never guessed that you were, you know, Dominic Toretto Jr. over here and 
Corona, California. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I ended up, uh, I did two, well, four deployments total with one four. I did two to Iraq uh, with a weapons company. Um, I no, got wait, you, 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 your, uh, your skills skipping ahead, bro. One five. Oh yeah. Sorry. Cause we, we backtracked. All right. So I got to one five. Um, that's where I had a little bit of a hiccup. Um, I was a junior Lance Corporal, meritorious twice at a boot camp. So every, I already had a target on my back. Everybody hated me because all the guys that had deployments that were Lance Corporals were like, we're not the same. I was like, I know that because I haven't deployed. Uh, but it didn't work out that way anyway. Um, I, I think a lot of it was me being immature and not really understanding uh, the whole situation. So I, without going into all the details, because again, I'm, it, the past is the past. Basically, uh, I was not well liked. And so there was a number of physical confrontations that happened. Um, and basically, I ended up was like, you know what? I didn't join up for this. Like, I'm getting mistreated um, for doing well as a young Marine. Uh, so I went UA. Or as I like to say, self-appointed leave. Um, I was gone for about seven months. My sergeant major knew where I was. He had called me. I spoke to him on the phone. And, you know, he called the house phone, so I know he knew where I was. Uh, he never sent anyone to come get me. Um, I ended up turning myself in um, about seven, you know, seven, seven and a half months later, and went through the whole process of. Being on, you know, being on restriction, I wasn't a flight risk because I turned myself in. So I wasn't, I didn't get sent to the brig. I just, you know, check in like I think, I don't know, eight times a day, every day for like 150 something days. Um, I go to my court martial and I have always kind of been one of those guys where like, I don't like, I don't like being like questioned. So like, if I know what my job is, I'm going to do my job. You don't have to ask me or tell me. Um, so even when I was on restriction, like I had menial tasks, they were like, Hey, you're going to fill out first month calendar. You're going to do this working party. You're going to do that. So I would do it. And then I just assumed that meant I do that every day. I was like, cause you told me to do it once. I'm just going to keep doing it till you tell me not to do it. Um, so I did it every day. Um, go to my court martial and basically I had the entire training command character witness for me. That would not, well, not one five, they were deployed. Uh, but because I had left so soon, I didn't get hit with missing a movement, which would have been a completely different outcome, honestly, with how everything played out. Um, so they were just trying to determine if they were going to force, if they were going to kick me out, um, if they're going to keep me in. Well, I had staff sergeants, I had gunnies, I had mass sergeants, I had first sergeants. Uh, everybody that I worked for in the unit that I was in at headquarters came, to, did a character witness, and they were like, honestly, if we could meritorious promote this Marine, he'd be a corporal already. But because of this, obviously, we can't. He does everything we tell him to do. He never does anything wrong. He's never late. He shows up to everything. You know, nothing but good things to say. So the judge decided, all right, oh, I'm going to take all your rank. I'm going to put you in the brig for six months. I'm going to take two-thirds of your pay. And then I'm going to retain you and keep you in the Marine Corps. And I was just like, okay, here's my chevrons. Here's all my money. Um so I think I was supposed to be in there for six. I think I did about five, maybe four and a half. I got out around good behavior. And that's when I got sent to one four. Like the day I came out, they were like, you're checking into one four. And that was 
I think January of 2007, because it was about a year long process to get through everything between, you know, when I left, when I came back to when I went through all my pre-trial stuff to my trial stuff and my, my break time. That's crazy. Uh, so you were, you, you checked into one four in January, 2007. So that must have been so, yeah. right before they went to Alkheim. Yeah, I checked in. I was there for nine days. We did, um, we went to 29 Palms, which I think at the time it was, it just transferred from CAX to Enhanced Mahogany Viper. Yeah. I did our 30, I did our 30 days there, came back, did nine days of leave, and then pumped out in April. You went straight to weapons company? Yep. So I checked in um, and they're like, hey, you know, you're an 11, but we're going to put you over here. Uh, and weapons company, it's you know, it's because it's a mixture because it was map platoons back then, the mobile assault platoons. So it was all infantry motors kind of just rolling in gun trucks. Um, so there wasn't like a specific delineation. I don't know what the choice, why the reason was I went to weapons as opposed to a line company. It's just, I guess it's because I showed up on Monday as opposed to a Tuesday. Um, and so that's where I went. And that deployment, um, was when I met Rankle. Um, I was in a different truck. I was in a different unit or not unit, uh, vehicle up until like three, two, halfway, three quarters of the way through the deployment. And then we got, I got pushed over to Rankle. And at first he didn't like me. He was like, he did the whole like, hey man, I know like you're senior to me because I was like the private that was senior to like everyone that was a Lance Corporal below. So I wasn't, and I was kind of treated because when I came out of the brig, I was like doing 47 pull ups. I was big. Uh, everyone's like this guy. I was like, nobody knew what I went for because they were like, hey, you don't have to tell anybody anything. So all the, uh, they were like, everyone was just like, oh, we're assuming it's war crimes. I was like, all right, sure. Uh, but I was like the guy when they were like, hey, this guy's being an idiot. You need to straighten him out. I was just like, okay, roger that. Because I was like, you know, I'm doing four and getting out. I don't want to mess with me. If you want me to beat someone up, I'll beat them up. I don't care. What's worse than having you send me back to the brig? They already got a spot for me. They know, they know, they know what's selling it. No, no worries. I got a rack already waiting. Um, so I was not a nice person. That's interesting uh, that you say that, 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 that was your mentality back then after coming out of the brig. Um, again, no, knowing you now, obviously you and I are really close and, and knowing your track record, it, I mean, don't you find it a little funny yourself that, that like, okay, after we've grown the fuck up, right how our our change in perspective now does that come with um uh, experience through you know um leading marines did it come from uh leadership that you encountered um or just you know a, a combination of everything so honestly i would say the sh number one influence was that first deployment um so i showed up the platoon sergeant i had gunny perkins uh, he pulled me to the side and he was like, all right, dude, like, I know, I, I kind of know what your story is. He's like, I don't care what happened before. He's like, you're here. You're deploying with us. We need you. Like people's lives are going to be in your hands. Your lives are going to be in our hands. We got to be on the same team. And I was just like, Kenny, I'm just here to do my job, do my time and get out. I was like, I'm hundred percent with that. Um, but he treated me like a, like, like a marine i hate saying that because it kind of sounds like belt fed or like you know moto but like he treated me like an adult like you joined to do a certain job this is what you're doing 
Um, there was no like, oh, you're a boot, so you're beneath me. You know, he didn't, he wasn't like that. Um, and I was on, I was standing post one day, this, uh, before I got pushed over to Wrinkle Truck. So, uh, it's probably like a week prior, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but I just remember it was very close. And that's kind of what saved me and Wrinkle's relationship. He came up on post. I was standing there. I was like two, three o'clock in the morning. He's like, so what are you going to do when you get out? And I was like, I was like, honestly, I was like, other than you in this platoon, like I've had a really bad experience with the Marine Corps for doing well. Did you know I came I think thinking I did well because I came out of boot camp and Lance Corporal? I was like, I tried really hard to be the best that I could because I wanted to excel. Uh, but I don't like this organization doesn't seem like it's for me. And I know I, I probably didn't say, say it that well. It probably came out with a lot of cuss words and like an 18-year-old would say it. And he was like, you know what, man? He's like, you're not wrong. He's like, but you got two options. You do your four years and you get out or you stay in long enough till you're the one that can make a change. And then he walked out and I was on post for another four hours and I was left just thinking about that. And I was like, damn, that's why he's the gunny. He gets paid the big bucks. That was like super deep. And I was like, I don't even know like, how to process that. Um, so, you know, then I ended up in Rankle's truck. I met John. And he kind of did the same thing. He pulled me to the side. He's like, hey, man, I know you've been in longer than me. You know, you're a PFC. I know I'm a corporal. It's my first deployment. He's like, but, like, I'm still a corporal. And I was like, John, I was like, you're a corporal. I'm a PFC. I understand how it works. I'm just letting you know. Like, if you try to flex on me and do, like, something where you're going to, like, try to haze me, I was like, it's not going to end well for either one of us. That's, you know, that's all I'm, I'm going to say. I was like, you, you've. I, cause I had a reputation in the platoon where like, again, uh, if you need something done and you're worried about people getting in trouble, you call solo. Cause what did I have to lose? You know, I was like, I'm, I've been court martial sent to the brig. I got, I'm, I have no future. I didn't expect anything out of my career other than do my four, barely scrape by and get out because I had already screwed up so big in the beginning. Um, so over time, I mean, me ended up getting really close me and John, I would say like, Besides you, John is probably the only other person I've been that close with in the Marine Corps. I could probably count like three people that like I would say super tight with. Um, so me, him, and Turner came up with this scheme one day on post. Hey, when we get back, we're going to go to the snack platoon. John, I think he had just broke up with his girlfriend for like the fifth time, you know, because they were like high school sweethearts or whatever. So we're like, yeah, let's do it. Well, it gets closer to deployment or end of deployment. John's like, uh, I got back with my girl. I don't think I'm going to go sniper platoon. I'm going to do, you know, I think I'm going to get out. So, okay. so then Matt's like, well, I'm not going to go because I only want to go if we're all going to suffer together. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going by myself. We get back. Um, things played out the way they did. There was no, there was an, we weren't allowed to go to the index for whatever reason. I think they took like three people. I think this is when Bombo was in charge. Um, yeah. And then somehow there was like a, hey, they looked at all the PFT scores or something. And then John and Matt got pulled like three weeks later and put in the platoon. Uh, and I was just like, okay, I guess I'm by myself. Um, so I ran the next deployment, uh, got married, promoted to corporal. Um, and then came back with nothing crazy on that one. That's the Fallujah one. I think that's where, um, I think that's where you got your takeover by Alpha Company. Um, came back, I think, I want to say I can't remember when we came back from there we came back uh did another deployment that was the 15th mu there uh, yeah that was the 15th mu Peleliu. Yeah, so you were you were with yeah. weapons still that though I was still yep still with weapons um 
John had come back um, to the platoon, had some leadership issues internally that he did not tell me about because, you know, John being a professional, he's not going to pitch down. He would only pitch up or left or right. So I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I was trying to do my Marsoc thing. Um, that didn't work out. Um, so I ended up saying, just going on the deployment. John ended up leaving and going to three, one, and then he took his deployment to Afghanistan and we all leaving that alone. Um, Came back from that deployment again, that you know, new, so we just went and like drank and stuff. Um, came back, I came back early because the kid got hurt. Went to corporal's course because that was the only course I could go to. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll learn how to wear my Charlie's. Uh, came back and I was doing a recon package. I actually had like two signatures left on my recon package. My platoon commander comes in, he looks at me, it's Friday at like 1800, and he's like, Sully, you want to do this, the sniper and duck? And I was like, uh, well, when is it, sir? He's like, zero four Monday morning. Here's the gear list. And I was like, all right, well, if they don't select me, I'll just finish this recon pack in just a minute. So I show up zero four on Monday and proceed to recognize half the platoon as guys that I had put through deployments previously. And they're all like, hey, Corporal Soli, remember that one time you made us carry that tree? And I was like, yeah. And you see that tree trunk over there? I was like, where do I got to take it? And so basically... The tables had turned um, and I had a really exciting five days. Um, and then I ended up getting selected uh, after Marquez grilled into me really hard about my um, previous exploits with my court martial and everything else. So I was like, oh man, I'm not going to get it. This dude hates me. Um, ended up getting in the platoon. And then I don't know if you were there or not. I don't think you were. Uh, I feel like I met you like two months after that. Um, we had upset Aberdathy. No, actually, I take that back. It was like a week or two after that. We had upset Aber Aberdathy, so he did one of his infamous drop your blouse into your pockets. Uh, and we went on a death run with him and Fechner. And that was the first time I met you. And again, just saying, because I didn't know before, I didn't know anything about you. Um, I just had this image of what like the sniper should be and the sniper platoon should be like physically. Uh, and at the time, I didn't think that you were living up to what I expected. Um, I want to say this was after, man, I, I, I want to say it was right before I went to Islick because it was after it the, was before it, it was after the uh, second deployment. I just reenlisted and um, I, I, so this is 2010. Um, I already botched my first attempt at cyber school was on the platoon shit list, right. For that whole deployment, Abernathy kept me around, uh, gave me that second chance, yeah. which I kind of want to roll back into probably later in the episode. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think I was in, uh, I mean, even still, like I, I never considered myself this physical specimen, right. Cause like everyone of my peers and everyone that like, is a sniper. I mean, always ran 290 plus PFTs. Yeah. And that's where I think like my perception was skewed because it was like Weir, Abernathy. Oh, dude. Fechner, was, yeah. Talone, Staub. I mean, like Staub, you know, in Talone, like what Talone ran that he ran a PFT. He ran like a 1521 just to see how fast he could run. 
And then he was like throwing up for the rest of the day. And the dude was like, what, like 220? And he was my height. I was like, he's a, he's a thick dude, but he was fast. Um, so I, those were the guys that I had dealt with during the indoc. So I was like, that's what I was like, okay, this is what I expect. Um, so when people didn't live, like, I mean, obviously I wasn't living up to that because I've, I'm still not at that. I still wouldn't say I'm at that level. I'm like a solid 280, 285 there on a good day, um, even though I'm a little bit older now. So my first interaction, I was like, man, I was like, he's not. And again, I didn't know. I thought you were a sniper. I didn't know you were so pig. So like there was things I didn't know. So I was like, okay, like, well, he's not as impressive as I thought. Like, who's this fucking guy? Um, and then you went to Islick and you came back. You went to Islick. I went to sniper school because Staub busted his knee, Tippins busted his ankle. And they were like, Solo, you have combat experience. And you, you got promoted to sergeant yesterday. You're going to sniper school. And I was like, oh. Okay, good thing we went to the pick pong last week. So I have a ghillie suit. That's about all I knew as far as what our job was. Uh, because there was that three week of leave, like right after the end doc. So I didn't have any training, which explains why I didn't make it very far. Um, so you went to Islick, I went to sniper school, I failed, you passed. Um, and then you came back and you were a completely different person. You saw us walk around, where's your knife? Pulling out your knife and stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, like this guy's like all right, now it makes sense. Like he must, you know, he's just coming off a of leave and he wasn't like, he's still working off the leave weight, you know, whatever it was. Uh, so he was probably still sweating beer. Um, and then we went to Bridgeport, came back, and then I went to cyber school again and passed. Um, we went, we, I, I went to cyber school. You've, I think I went to cyber school after Bridgeport. Um, yeah. Because I, I phased pickup back into, exactly, into Pendleton yeah. and you it, went to Hawaii. We graduated around the same time, essentially, for yeah, both four tack like within a week of each other, I think. 11s of uh, Pendleton. You were Pendleton and I was Hawaii. And yeah, then, you were four tack 11 of Hawaii. I was three tack 11 yeah. of Pendleton. And then we deployed. But like even through that whole workup, we really, I mean, we had, we had small exchanges, but we didn't really start getting close until we deployed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, to, to Oki. Yeah, and I tell guys a lot, like uh, even like a lot of the younger guys. My biggest downfall as a young Marine was my team, my squad, or my section. If you were not one of those members. I cared about you enough because you were part of the platoon, but I didn't really care about you. Like I wanted my team to be the best team. I wanted my squad to be the best squad. I wanted my section to be the best section, whatever platoon I was in. So I would grind those dudes hard. Um, Cause I remember uh, Morales would come to me a lot of times. Cause like I was doing the, you guys did your, the first mission we were in Oki and we were watching you guys do mission prep. And I grabbed the Lincoln ship and I was like, bro, we're never going to do that. Look, it took the whole platoon to get them ready. And it was just little things I was looking at, like Stav was working the warning order by hand. I was like, well, we're going to type the entire, as soon as they get on the bird and fly out, we're going to sit down, we're going to work the warning order, we're going to type it up, we're going to print them off. Anytime we don't need something, we're going to just cross it out. But everything's already there, so we don't have to, I want that warning order done 33 minutes tops. But I didn't I didn't share that with the rest of the platoon, that was just team two. Um, or like, I didn't like how the ROs were getting screwed, carrying all the batteries, always getting woke up to do the battery changes. So I made a ruck packing SOP only for team two though. I didn't, you know, I didn't push it out to the, to the platoon. Morales would see me doing this stuff. And one day he's like, Hey, what's that? I was like, Oh, ruck SOP. Cause you know, we had all the same rucks cause they had OPR them. Um, so we all got the malice packs and he's like, Oh, you need, we need to push it out to the platoon. I'm like, well, you can do it. Cause you're a chief scout. I ain't helping them. 
fuck them. We're not team two. So I was very like, if you weren't in my little, if, if I wasn't responsible for you, I didn't go out of my way to help you out, which was a really big downfall on my part. Um, and honestly, it wasn't until I went to, I left the platoon and ended up at pre-sniper where I started realizing like, it's not just about me. It's not just about my dudes. It's about everybody because everybody's got to be efficient because we, we can't do everything, you know? And that's where I really started, started opening my eyes and be like, we need to help everyone. We need to give everybody the same amount of effort. Like it needs to be like your sole purpose in life is to take care of the junior. Like I'm, and again, another Marine Corps, I was, I was a, like, I'm a sergeant of Marines or I'm a leader of Marines. I'm not a sergeant of team two or a leader of team two. Um, and when I was at pre-sniper and I was starting to do a bunch of stuff, I started realizing like, man, like, I was so horrible. And I'm sure I'm, the team thought I was great. And they were like, hey, like, yeah, at first we thought you were a dickhead. But then we realized like how much how beneficial it was when you kind of micromanage certain things. But there was a lot of things I didn't do that I knew how to do, but for whatever reason, I just didn't do it. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't my focus. Uh, we're preaching over open my eyes. And I was like, okay, like I've been doing it wrong. And I think a lot of it too, was like when one four came through a pre sniper and we got into that argument in the office with uh, the platoon commander. What was his name? Uh, Florence. I think it was, I think it was Florence. Was it, was, was it when I was chief scout? Was it, was it my yeah. guess? yeah so because you know well at pre-sniper it was one of those like when two four came through like everyone gave pacheco shit because like pacheco that's your lineage they better not suck or we're gonna embarrass you you know so one four came through we had talked and you're like yeah the guys are good at this but i had again i had a false understanding of how far along in their training they were it's when they showed up and they weren't doing as well like i was getting i was taking it personal because i was like man like this was my platoon what's going on and then florence no, no, knock on him. I love the dude now, you know, like we've, we've talked and everything. I was like, but he had made a comment where he's like, I don't care if my guys stay at the 100 yard line and just shoot from the prone in the hundred every day, as long as they learn something. And I don't think you agreed with that, but you didn't say anything. Um, Cause you were in the office when it happened. I, you may not even have heard it. Cause I'm, you know, you, you sometimes you're like squirrel and you're like, <laughs> you get distracted kind of easy. And he said it to me and I was like, sir, I could just drop your whole platoon right now. I was like, because I'm not spending a six weeks at the hundred yard line. That's not how we train here. I was like, I'm going to train your guys to make sure they don't fail school. If you don't like that, you can take them. Um, probably not the smartest thing to say to an officer, uh, but I was still a little bit of a high head back then. Um, and it was it was after that where I kind of really realized that like I'm going about this the wrong way. I am trying to give everybody everything. Because I took it personal where it was like, if these guys go to, if these guys deploy and they don't come home, like, how did I fail? What did I not teach them? And I didn't really have the understanding where like, I can only do so much. And it's on that. Like, you know, I get them to 80%. It's on them to go the other 20%. I can't control that when they leave. Um, and it just, it took that experience of like being at pre-sniper to really finalize my outlook on how like I approach training and like how to get through to people and kind of understand the different like aspects where it's like, Hey man, you do the best you can. Um, but if you can get them to, you know, a 70% solution or 80% solution, 
you've done your job and it's on them to go the rest of the way. Um, at my new, one of my new um, phrases, I guess, is because we hear it all the time. Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. Like it's my job as an instructor to get you to the water. You know, that's getting you to school or it's getting you wherever, you know, it's getting you to call day, call day. Or like when you check into school or when you go on deployment, that's you deciding whether you want to drink the water or you want to, you know, die of dehydration. Like I can't do that for you because I'm not there. And it just took a while. Pre-sniper really like solidified that for me and made me realize like, okay, man, like you need to tone it down a little bit. Like you can't just be punishing guys for making a mistake because you really don't know what they, what they were trained to before they came here. Cause I just assumed everybody trained the guys like me and you did. I was like, well, me and Phil will be here till one in the morning. We don't care. Like, this is what we do, but not everybody has that mentality. And I had to stop taking it out on the guys who it, they was, it wasn't their fault that their guys weren't training them. Like we were, which was basically like, we're going to train till our eyes bleed and then we're going to keep going. Um, so, you know, I, that was where I really kind of came to this newer approach or more. It's like, okay, let's talk to these guys like people. They're trying to come to our community. Like, don't punish them for being pigs because it's not bad. It's a good thing. Now, if they make a mistake, yes, you know, you discipline them or you punish them in a learning way, you know. Um, but, like, don't just thrash dudes because they don't know. And you're going to blame their hogs for them not knowing, so you're going to thrash them because their hogs failed them. Like, now I'm no better than, you know, what happened to me when I was a junior Marine my first, you know, six weeks in the, in the Marine Corps. So. I think one of the, the biggest things that I learned from you, especially as a, as a young sergeant, because um, I picked up sergeant uh, on, the, on our Okinawa deployment. And um, I think that was at the same time you and Blankenship were uh, putting on MARSOC patches. And so there was just like this yeah, weird was, yeah. transitionary phase of, of post third deployment for me, because I re-enlisted, I, 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 uh, I went to school, I passed sniper school, right? Like, uh, I didn't have ambitions really to be a sniper school instructor. It was just like, Hey, I, I went to sniper school, uh, I passed and now like I, I got my goals. Right. And I think it was after the third deployment, uh, when you and I started working together, uh, because you were, you know, um, coming back and forth from, uh, uh, Marsoc, you were kind of in limbo, uh, Andy just came to us uh, and he checked in to yeah. be uh, the chief or the platoon sergeant. And then like, you know, everyone that knew something about the cyber community knew Andy's track record. And I was like, Oh dude, I, I have to work with this guy. And so I decided to stick yeah. around, but going back to, you know, what I really took away from you is you pushing me to make sure that, um, as a sergeant that I was training my Marines correctly and I didn't stop until the mission was accomplished. And so it would always lead into working super late nights because, you know, we would get, uh, we would run into an issue where someone wasn't trained or, um, uh, you know, uh, something fell through and you would look at me and you're like, well, I ain't got shit to do. And I'm like, well, shit, I ain't got shit to do either. <laughs> so it's yeah. you and I either fucking knocking out LOIs or keeping the, uh, keeping the Marines. And I mean, I know they hated that because, you know, obviously our personal lives at that point, even though we did have personal lives, you know, I was, we were with the, our, our Nicole's. Um, yeah. What mattered to us was the training of our Marines and, and accomplishing that mission. Cause I mean, 
Andy was gone at that point. Um, but I remember just always being pushed by you to make sure that I wasn't just, Oh, I'll just take care of this tomorrow. Like, no, that shit had to get done right now. Um, yeah, I think that was, that was probably where we really became like, I mean, yeah, we were roommates in Oki and stuff, but I think that was where we really like solidified, like who we were as like friends, brothers, like coworkers, whatever you want to call it. Like, cause it was always one of those, like, it was almost kind of like a joke. Cause it was like, Hey, well, we could do it tomorrow morning. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we could. Yeah. I mean, or we could just do it right now. Or we could just do, you would, and that, that's what, that's what you would say. You would say, we could yeah. just do it right now since we're here. I'm like, okay, we'll just do it right now. <laughs> and, and, but shit yeah. got that, shit got done that way. Right. And, and, uh, because of that, I think you had helped, um, whether you like to believe it or not, shape, help me shape that platoon to what it became, you know, even with your passing of the torch to go to pre-sniper uh and for the, everyone that uh doesn't know um so after matt's then correct me if i'm wrong Matt, but after your is that your fourth deployment with one four after your yeah. fourth deployment one four monitor is like dude this guy's been here too long monitor is a guy that controls our orders this guy's got to go and so he sent him over to first marine division pre-sniper school and um i stayed with the unit um, but now Matt was in charge of making sure Marines in first Marine division, um, in even other units. Well, was it mainly first Marine division or did yeah, all, it, was, uh, okay. it was all 29 palms and Pendleton. Yeah. Uh, were essentially primed to go to uh sniper school. And, you know, there's, there's some horror stories about pre-sniper of it being a gut check, which is rightfully so because in, in theory, pre-sniper, just like all the other schools in the uh, Marine Corps, the pre school is supposed to be a lot harder than the actual school so that you have a higher rate of passing when you actually go through school. I remember talking to recon guys about pre-dive and them not wanting to ever fucking take a shower um, yeah. after pre-dive because it's such a gut check, you know, but yeah, and I would definitely dive say school, uh, it's walk in the park. Yeah. And I would definitely say when I first got there, um, like I said, I was still a bit of a hothead, so we were like 100%. That's what we were doing. It was like there were seven of us, it was all prior chief scouts, uh, and then me, like a half a chief scout, because me and you were splitting chief scout platoon sergeant while Andy was going through all his medical stuff. Um, and they were like, Hey, it's either you or Cooley gets chief instructor. Cooley's like, Well, I gotta get foot surgery and I don't want to be in charge, so they're like, All right, so you got it. I'm like, Okay. Um, but my first run was just a basic, you know, pre-sniper instructor. And it was just like, how much pain can we put these guys through? You know, it was like just getting all the aggression out from all before. And then after that, we were like, all right, guys, like I took over and I was like, all right, we need to change this. And we need to actually like teach people like these guys need to learn. Um, and that was where, like I said, I think it was like that big ticket item where we started changing it more because again, there was the horse horse of gut check. And I had been in the meetings with a lot of the guys from the basic course and nobody cared about us. They're like, Oh, you're a pre sniper. You're just there to haze guys. And we, like, you're whatever, you know, do whatever you want, but like, don't, don't train these things. We'll take care of it. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like that's not, we're not here to just like rock run dudes everywhere. Um, and like I said, that's where my big change came where it was like, all right, we're going to, 
revamp the course. We're going to teach this class. And it, we took out a lot of stuff because what, it, what pre-sniper kind of was when I first got there was basically every class you're taught in sniper school, but within three weeks with all the shooting and the stalking. I'm like, so it's like 18 hour days for, you know, three weeks. And I was like, then why are we teaching ballistics? And they're like, well, they get taught it in sniper school. I was like, yeah, but do you know ballistics? No, not really. I was like, I don't know ballistics that well. You know, as Phil, I say, I don't know shit about fuck when it comes to ballistics. So it's like, are we teaching them that just so we can give them a test, so we can give them a failing score, so we can send it to the basic course and be like, this guy's going to fail the test? I was like, why don't we just let them handle that and we focus on land nav, stocking, marksmanship, the big three, and ops, because that's a really easy one to you know, put in there. Um, and we, the guys that I had there, I just had a great team. Um, we all took our own piece of the pie and really started shaping it into like, all right, we're going to do these type of shooting drills. This is how we're going to run this. Uh, we started like, you know, you ended up at uh, maybe after a year, I think I was at pre-sniper or a year and a half or so you ended up over at the basic course. So like I was sending guys over to you, like, Hey, shadow them during the marksmanship phase. I want to know, if, are they clipping in? How are they using the tripod? What's, what's the quote unquote new technique or what's the technique that we're changing it to because this flavor of, of instructors likes it this way. And we were making sure we were teaching everything in the exact same procedures that you guys were teaching at the basic course. So when guys showed up, you didn't have to reteach them something because it was an old habit or a bad habit or just an old technique. Um, and I really tried to line everything up. So it was no shit like a, Hey, step one is pre-sniper. Step two is, it's basic course and then you graduate because you've you've done everything before to make your guys' life easier. Um and really just to make the community better. Cause I'm like, man, if we're it's because my biggest gripe at pre-sniper was my hogs taught me this way. This is what works for me, because this is what my hogs taught me. And I'm like, bro, you've we shot at 10 targets today and you've hit one. I don't think I was like, I'm not and about I, you know, I was like, I'm not saying your hogs are wrong. I was like, but I don't think that works for you. So let's, can we try it my way? And let's just, and if it, you know, if you do the same, then okay. But if, or you do worse, then okay, we'll go back to your way. But let's just try it this way. Um, and that's where I, like I said, I was developing more of a like software approach, I guess would be the word where it was like, Hey, let's teach them and not just yell at them and say, do it this way because, you know, that's where, I don't think I, I didn't think of it this way, but like how you guys always say, like knowing your why, understanding your why um, that for me, like I didn't have that phrase or that sentence, but that's where it was really like, I started teaching, Hey, this is why we do it this way. I know your hogs taught it that way when they went to school, that was what we were teaching, but this is how we're doing it now. And this is why we put the sling on it this way because of X, Y, and Z. We put the sling this way because of X, Y, and Z. We mount the rifle in the in the tripod this way because of X, Y, and Z. So they understood like, oh, that makes sense. Um, or, you know, we we veg up this way because of X, Y, and Z. Instead of just saying do it this way because it works, we actually started getting into like we're doing we're teaching you this way because this is how you blend in better or this is how you can acquire your target faster or this is how you can get a better mill reading, you know, whatever it was. Um, and I think that's, like I said, we're – that process of explaining the guys why um, just kind of became a thing naturally. Um, 
by accident, I guess you could say. Um, but I noticed too, is like, I, I, that became a really good thing for me to realize as a leader. Like if I always explained why, Hey, we're doing this because of this, when I was like, Hey, this needs to get done right now. Let's make it happen. And if guys said why, and I was like, because it needs to get done, they knew like, all right, if, if solo saying it needs to get done, he's not giving us a why, like that means we're on a time crunch. Um, and when, and he's not doing it just to be a dick, it's because somebody's holding his feet to the fire. So they would just snap to and make it happen um, because there's a time and a place for everything, you know, as far as like that goes, at least, you know, in the military. So that was a big one for me, like I said, and I think I would have, I feel like I would be further along or be better had like our relationship and the way we were doing things was like, we were saying like, oh, well, we're already here. We might as well just do it. If that had carried over, but I think because I got put in a new environment with guys I didn't know, um, I kind of did the standard, like, you know, Marine thing where it's like, all right, well, everybody here does it this way. So I'm just going to fall in line and do what everyone else is doing because they're obviously doing this way for a reason. And hopefully along the way, I'll figure out why we're doing it that way. But for right now, I'm just going to do what I'm told and stay in my box and my co- eat, eat my crayons and color. Um, and I just didn't. And then, it, you know, just so it took me maybe six months there to like kind of go back to like, well, this isn't making sense. Let's go back to like making sense. Um, yeah. So it was just a weird transition. I like retrograded and then came back. <laughs> so this is 2015 to 2000. I want to say 16, 17, right? You were teaching and you were the. No, uh, uh, September of 2013. So September, 2013 to. Until April of 2016. 2016 is when you were teaching at pre sniper and you were the yeah I chief, got I got extended there a lot chief, chief instructor <laughs> right yep yep um, yep and I think I remember checking into sniper school and then you and I already had a relationship and trying to essentially um, accomplish your goals of making pre sniper a more you know. Um, I don't want to say legit school because it was already a legit school, but like a, a school that wasn't scoffed at right by the, by other instructors in the community or other leaders, because, you know, there was that aura of like, well, why am I going to send my guys to sniper uh, pre sniper um, when I can just teach them in my unit because they're just going to get gut checked. Right. I think Andy yeah. had that mindset, right. He was like, he's like, why am I going to send guys to pre sniper when I can just train them myself? Because I know exactly what they're going to put them through. But I think with yeah. me going to sniper school and you having, you and I having an open communication of like, Hey, this is what I'm teaching because I was teaching marksmanship, Right. And then, you know, what I could with regard to stocking or what. Um, and I think you really did a really great job with um, shaping pre sniper to what it was in that, in that time frame because I remember the, the tides turning with what the instructor staff thought of pre-sniper again during your time there. Um, so uh, kudos to you because I know that that's a very tough, you know, it, it's very tough to change something, a system that already works, right? Especially in our community. It's like, if it's not broke, yeah. <laughs> why fix it? And that the problem is, is, is nobody, everyone thought that it wasn't broken, but clearly it was. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you and I question to this day of, of even the basic 
POI that we went through and, and stuff like that. Granted, you know, when we were young snipers, it was like, oh, fuck, yeah. But I think because you and I have served as instructors, teachers for the last pretty much over a decade now, you know, yeah. we understand how to build the curriculum, how students learn, um, what they're able to retain. But ultimately, in, in, in the time, the realistic time frame, they're able to accomplish that in based off of the training tasks that is required to do over X amount of time. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I feel old. Right. Instructing for a decade. Oof. Um, so, you know, whoever's listening to this, I, I hopefully it's, I mean, I really want to push this probably to our, our cyber community, uh, the, the young, you know, uh, sergeants and corporals that are out there. Cause I, I get it, man. Like I get thrashing pigs. I get, you know, wanting to, you know, flex your new hog status and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I, I think if you can make that time frame dwindle a lot longer or cut that in half, I mean, the more how effective you can train your Marines or how more much more effective of a leader you can become by just cutting out that bullshit. And and I think that's what I really appreciate Andy for um doing for me, especially when we planned the first screener with uh, when like Downing came, Johnson. Um, cause like, I mean, I had every intentions of making it a suck fest. It was my first time being able to run a screeter, right. Uh, like, like yeah. one together. And like, I was like, yeah. I was out for blood and Andy looked at me. He's like, he's like, why? He's like, if you make the training plan strenuous enough, like it, it's not going to give anyone time to fuck around. But not only that you are, even if we don't select some of these infantrymen, they're going back to their unit better trained. Because no matter what, we're all going to combat together and we're all going to go fucking fight the enemy. And I was like, like, that was, that was a really like, like aha light bulb moment for me. Like, oh shit, you know? Um, and it, I mean, just based off of that, he really changed my, my mindset and my, my perspective. Yeah. I think it was, uh, just kind of like, like you were saying, and I, because he was ahead of us in the game, like he'd seen both sides of, and he'd seen the show and the work behind the curtain. And so like now we're at that point where we're like, all right, we've been on, we've been a student and we've been an instructor multiple times in different locations, you know, um, or we've been instructors that had to go be students. Um, and you can see it's like, okay. And I think that's the worst. Like I'd say like when you're an instructor and then you go to a course and you're like, man, they're not doing this right this is all jacked up, but you can't say anything, you know, cause you're like, I'm a student. Like I got, maybe I'll talk to him on the side or maybe I'll talk to him after the course, you know? <clears throat> um, but once you've seen both sides of the curtain, that's where you're like, you, you kind of get that point where it's like, oh, okay. Because I honestly, like you think about it, like you said, fresh hog, like what do they really know? Like the things that stick out in their head the most probably were like the hard physical tasks that we made him do, you know, like the ruck running or like the PT sessions. And so they want to make the guys hard because if you're like, Oh, you just graduated sniper school last week. Hey, you're going to teach ballistics tomorrow. He's going to be like, uh, I basically was like asleep with my eyes open during that whole class. And then I just waited for the instructor to tap the floor and I knew, okay, red words on the screen, write it down. That's a test question. You know, like you don't, 
really retain anything. You maybe retain, you know, 20%. Because <clears throat> some of those classes, they're not, that's not a one and done class. You know, like, I mean, earlier today, I was texting you about the actual form factor because I was like, hey, man, did I do this right? Like, well, how do you do it? And you're telling me, and I was like, okay, I didn't do it like that. I hope I didn't jack this up, you know? And this is me 13 years of doing this. And I'm like, man, I might have to test this again tomorrow because he said something completely different from what I did. Uh oh, you know? Um, so it's like they, they fall to their comfort level or their comfort zone, which is like, make them strong. Even if they're make stupid, they're going to be strong. strong. <laughs> they're going to be hard. You know, I mean, shoot now I'm pretty sure that's what Rankle said was one of his selling points during my, during my board. When I got into like, Hey, he's not the fastest guy, but you can put all the weight on him. He's going to get it up to the top of the hill. He won't be the first one up there, but you can put it. And I'm pretty sure my, one of my first events was, Hey, solo, you're carrying all the sats around. I was like, Oh, okay. Where am I going? You see that top, you see that peak up there? I was like, all right, I'll be there in like two hours. And I carried it all the way up there, you know, cause I was like, oh, I'm not that smart, but I'm strong. <laughs> and I, I was like, um, so I think, yeah, like I said, that's definitely one of those. And I've been working with like, um, the basic course guys, like talking to them and going over things. Cause it's like, I've just been really fortunate to where like everywhere I've been, I've always had a really good group of guys around. Me. Like I said, like pre-sniper, I don't take credit for what pre-sniper turned into while I was there. Because I had solid guys that like, because you know, pre sniper, most guys go to pre sniper to retire or get out. You know, they got eight months before they get out and they just, you know, they don't want to hang up the suit yet. Um, but a lot of them, they, they don't want to put in the extra work. But I had guys that they're like, you want what time? Like Sam, you know, Wilson would be like, he showed up, he had, you know, eight months left and something would happen. Like, Sam, we got to be at 4 a.m. He's like, all right, whose car are we taking? And I was, I was like, park at my house because it's on the way. Then I'll drive the rest of the way. He's like, all right, cool. So at 3.30 in the morning, he's at my house. We're getting there at 3.55. And then it's 1800 and like something pops up. We're like, oh, crap, this is jacked up. We got to fix it. And he's like, all right, like you want me to run to the PX and grab some monsters? I was like, yeah, I get like six, you know, and 2300 is when we're driving home. And our wives are like, hey, you uh, said you were going to be home at 1830. I'm like, yeah, I forgot to tell you, you know, <laughs> this happened. Um, so that's a big thing too, like having a good group of guys around you. Um, I think, like you said, like Andy, I just took Andy to say one thing to you and it was an aha moment, you know, um, having dudes that are willing to put in the work and you, you do it together. Like I said, a, a lot of my stuff, I can't say like, Oh, solo change free sniper. Or, oh, solo made, you know, second EOTG sniper course better. It was the group of guys that I had that were like, Hey, we agree with you let's sit down and figure it out. Uh, and we put in the work and we figured it out. We didn't figure it out the first try, but you know, like eventually it got to where it was. So like I say, I'd like to think that even now where I'm at with EOTG, like the urban sniper course, at least, you know, East coast version, it's a better product that I, than what I walked into. And I contribute a lot of that to Rob, you know, cause Rob was like, I'll take employment. <clears throat> and he ran that as a sergeant by himself and i was just like you let me know what you need and i'll make it happen you know because he didn't know how to do all the behind the scenes stuff because he'd never been an instructor before um so i was like i'll do the stuff that you don't know how to do you do this you do the stuff up front and we meshed and it worked really really well you know so i think a lot like i said it's just uh i don't judge the young guys because they only know 
what happens in front of the curtain. They don't know what happens behind the curtain. Um, it just takes time. So unfortunate like we don't get a lot of time in our community because you have a very finite amount of time before you're forced into a new job. Unless you're like a unicorn like me where you've been stuck in the, not stuck, but you've been given the opportunity to stay in the community for a very long time um, by getting thrown in instructor roles back to back to back to back. I think that's a testament to your leadership style though and your leadership um I, there hasn't been a single person that i've ran into that doesn't know who solowinski is that does, has a bad thing to say about you so um that I'll, I'll i'll just leave that at that matt i know you're you're uh <laughs> you're a pretty humble guy and um a big reason why you and i are so close um because of the lack of ego that you do have even though you know i think when people meet you for the very first time, you're super intimidating. You just have this, this like this face. I, and I don't, I don't want to say it's resting bitch face because it's not, it's just like, it's just intensity, right? Like, Oh, I can't, I'm at, I can't say I'm the like wrong an onion. Thing. You got to yeah. peel back the layers. I, I can't say the wrong thing around this dude. Cause he's just going to fucking light me up. And then you talk to you and talk to him and you're like, Oh, this guy's actually not too bad. You know, um, so I, I'd, uh, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of your leadership style has to, you know, um, contribute to why you've been successful with why a lot of your Marines have been successful as well. So uh, I definitely would love to, to, to let you know that. Um, so after pre-sniper, <laughs> after pre-sniper, you went, you and I taught together at cyber school for a little bit, um, you had seen the side of me that I didn't think that um, was possible, which was um, just wanting to get the fuck out of the Marine Corps. Uh, I yes. Think, um, I think that was very, for you and I, even for me, one of the things that I do regret, um, you know, I, I always heard the story <laughs> of, a, of a Marine um, in a sniper platoon that, uh, essentially alexander lemons who's like our my grandpa in the marine corps he's like abernathy's senior right you know, yeah he tells a story really good about this sergeant that um you know went to the unit every day and um all of a sudden like his last day in the marine corps he just tells everyone's like hey guys my last day see you guys later and no one had any fucking idea that he was getting out <laughs> And so I regret that um, because, you know, obviously there was a lot of bitterness toward my last, was it six months of being at the schoolhouse or even more than that? Um, yeah. With, with uh, how my, you know, career or, or whatever um, of wanting to kick and scream and not getting anything done. But um, regardless, I, I don't think that, it should have um, affected the way I handled business at the schoolhouse. Cause I mean, my job there was to, to make snipers. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think being able to work with you again was, was awesome um, during that time. And, and uh, how, how did that, how did that tour go? Oh, uh, all right. So I ended up having to do a, a 10 month stretch at MCT um, and then I got pulled over because we had the pilot course going, that was a rough time. Um, I think for all of us, because 
there was a push for what they wanted it to be. And I just don't think we had the time to get it to where it needed to be. I think there was a lot of faults probably, I don't want to say in the planning of like building the course, but like the overall, again, cause I came in day one, the course was already picked up. So like I wasn't involved in the planning. So I think the course itself was designed fairly well. Um, I just think uh, we used fleet Marines, you know, to start. I don't know if that was a good idea just because they already had a, a higher level of understanding of what we were trying to teach them. So we didn't get a good idea of what it was going to be like when, you know, we had the brand new guys coming out of ITB. And I kept saying that. I was like, ah, it's not going to go as smooth as I think. But, you know, I was a new guy, so it was kind of like a little bit of shut up and color there. Um, but, I mean, besides that, once we got over, over like I said, that, that whole thing happened. It didn't work out. We tried, but I mean, I just, I think we needed more time in between courses, maybe to tweak the things we wanted to tweak. We had a pretty quick turnaround, so it just, it didn't work in our favor, unfortunately. Um, and then after that, I was primary field craft guy, basically the whole time I was there, um, which I didn't mind at all. Um, a lot of guys are, are probably surprised to hear that I prefer to teach field craft over marksmanship. Um, I think I'm a decent shooter. Um but maybe it's because I grew up in Southern California, you know, in Corona, we had like sidewalks and like street lights and stuff. Um, the field craft stuff has just always been like, I love it. I don't know why. Like I didn't have any um, exposure to, I didn't grow up hunting, you know, I didn't do play in the woods cause I didn't have woods. You know, I had a backyard with one tree, um, you know, like I didn't have any of that stuff. So like, you know, it was like, like I said, like, yeah, I watched all the army movies and stuff and I would play, you know, GI Joe, but it was me pretending I was in the woods because I didn't have real woods. So I did, you know, the, you know, stalking, land nav, OBS, basically I primaried everything except for marksmanship and mission planning. Um, Cause those, the guys that were there were really solid at it. Um, and then I would just do the marksman stuff, marksmanship stuff with you. Cause you're like, Hey, I want you out there. Can you be out there? I was like, yep. Easy day. Got it. I was like, you're driving, right? Because, you know, we were living together. Um, and so, you know, I learned a sh shit ton, uh, marksmanship-wise, just watching you and win and the way you guys did stuff. And I was like, man, had I known now what I knew when I was a pre-sniper, that, that would have been super sweet. Because, you know, I had an understanding because we would talk about it, but seeing it in action um, and the way you guys did it, I was like, ooh, like, that's a good one. I wish I'd known that sooner, you know, but now I have that in my toolbox for later. Um, I think and it was that, a lot of working crazy hours and sleeping in, in that quantity. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things that I loved about when he's a gunner now is, I mean, like, like when you think that you're hot shit and then you work with when you're like, Oh my God, I'm a fucking dirtbag. I suck. Dude. Yeah. Right? And like, and, and, and I mean, he was just intense, but like, he made you better by just being around him because, yeah. like, and it wasn't in an aggressive way. No, it wasn't. Like, he, <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't even make you feel bad about it. You feel bad about your performance when you just see, the level that he performs at and that's just his operating yeah. tempo 
and you're like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I think during this time, because wind came over, I was starting to get into competition. And this is where I started to peel back the layers of like, well, why the hell are we teaching that? Like, why, like, why, like, what, what is, like, why, why was I regurgitating these things? Right. Um, so I think by the time you got to us, there were just things that, yeah, you guys were in full swing. Yeah. Right? I was, I was already <laughs> changing a lot of things that I, I was originally teaching my first few years, uh, at the schoolhouse, you know what I mean? And yeah, cause I remember uh, guys would, guys would show up and they, like guys that had graduated and they show up and be like, Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. We're teaching this. Yeah. We're just, and they're like, well, why are you teaching it that way? And you, you take a couple of minutes to explain to them. They're like, well, man, why didn't you teach us that when I came to school? And you're like, well, I didn't know that back then. <laughs> like, exactly. That's right. That's um, right. You know, and it would, and it would be, it might've been like an eight month transition from when they graduated to that day that they showed up. And it's like, you know, just we're learning and we're evolving. And they were just like, dang. And they're like, when's your next class? I want to sit in it because it's, you know, they wanted to learn more because um, you got, yeah, because you and Win, like I said, you guys were on a whole different level. Like just the stuff you guys were teaching, I was just like, man, like I don't understand it, but it makes sense. After class, I'm like, hey, say that again. <laughs> say, say that one more time. Um, you, you, so when did you end up leaving the schoolhouse to go to third year TG? June of 2019. Oh wow! Okay, so June of 2019, yeah, I, I've been with Gilmore for a year. I did, yeah, because I had done. I think I officially got with you guys like May of 2018 because I did that 10 month stretch at MCT, and then I was there. I think I ended up moving in with you. No, May of 17, not 18, because I I got out. Yeah, in 18. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. It was Ju June of 16 to May of 17 was MCT. Uh, and then I ended up moving with you sometime shortly after that because um, my wife had pushed over to over here in North Carolina because that, that was our initial intention and she still wanted to go. So I was like, all right, you know, like we'll just treat it like a deployment because that's, you know, basically been most of our marriage anyway. So, you know, we were comfortable with it. Um, and that's where I really started seeing you grow because between being with you at work and seeing what, the, what you guys are teaching and then, you know, what you guys are digging for and changing things. And then watching you come home at like 2200 at night and be like, I got to load a hundred rounds. I'm like, well, why? Like, oh, I got to fly out Friday night. I'm like, How do you get into the airport? He's like, Oh yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. So you can go compete all weekend and then, you know, Sunday night, Monday morning, I'll pick you up at one in the morning and be like, Hey, I don't know if we're going to make it home. Do you just drive straight to the schoolhouse? We'll figure it out. <laughs> oh man. I, and that's the thing, man. Like I, even, even the first couple years at the schoolhouse, my first, I remember being at the schoolhouse, turning over guys like Garvey, Schmaker, you know, um, and then, well, I think what I love about the sniper community is the fact that like the um, who we come before the amount of shoes, the how big their fucking shoes are and wanting to fill it. You know what I mean? And that just pushes, yeah. that just pushes us to be better than status quo. 
And yep. I've never, I've never been in a community like that. I mean, granted it's been 2000. I've been out for four years now. Um, but now that I'm talking to you about it, it's like, holy crap, you know, cause I, I identify now more as like a competitive shooter and I'm, I'm more in obviously the precision rifle shooting, you know, more marksmanship, more marksmanship, but like the craft of being a sniper is, is now like foreign to me. I, I talk to my girlfriend about this all the time. Like I, I sometimes forget that I was even a sniper because that lifestyle is um, wild. Yeah, it, it is. It's and and wild. I enjoy, I enjoy having this conversation with you because it's like bringing back all of these emotions that I felt when I was a sniper and how, how much I just wanted to like, I think the hardest thing that I, you and I both have to do, and I see this with you is remember that sometimes there are Marines or there are young snipers that aren't just going to be as passionate as we are about the craft. And I think that's what hurts yes. us because we feel like we fit, we're failing them because it's like, well, how come you're not as passionate about it as I am? Like, I live, eat, and breathe this. I fucking like, I choose this lifestyle over my family. And, you know, you, you're just going to go home and, you know, at four o'clock when it's the end of the day. Yeah. And you're going to focus on your kids and your wife. Yeah. Right. And, and I think like, like I, what, I've almost been divorced three times. Yeah. Dude, what's wrong with you? And I don't know and if that's like, a good or bad thing. <laughs> right. Because like in retrospect, right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm paying for it now with my daughter, but still, I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, I miss it and don't miss it at the same time, but I, I'm remembering why you and I get along so well and why yeah, you I had think a our successful yeah. career um and yeah, why I we're think still, our we're biggest still in contact today yeah yeah I think our biggest fault or at least mine for sure is balance yeah yeah for sure because we'll like we'll talk about it all the time right like hey you got to balance mission planning you got to balance marksmanship you got to balance realistic training to you know schoolism training because there's things that and how to do all the training but like when it comes to like personal and military, like I didn't know balance. I was very fortunate. My old lady has put up with me for a long time. Yeah. Like if I didn't get married to her, I would be single right now. And who knows where I'd be. I'd be all, I'd be dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Just wild. Um, but I think too, it was one of those, like when we came in, I think this is kind of critical. It was like when we came in, it was still wartime. So we could justify everything to like, if we mess up, we don't come home. If we mess up, Dave doesn't come home. If we mess up, John doesn't come home, you know? Um, and we could, we would use that against our families to be like, Hey, like, I love you. And I'm doing this for you because if I mess up and he doesn't know how to do his job, like one of us might not come home, you know? Um, and that's one thing I could say that I use as a driving force was like, I never want to be the guy that has to go to someone's parents and be like, I failed you because he didn't make it back. And I was in charge of him, you know, um, getting goosebumps. Oh, great. Um, 
So it was like one of those, like, that was my driving force. And my wife, like I said, again, fortunately for me, my wife was very understanding. She's like, I don't want you to have to live with that either. So go do what you got to do. And that turned into four in the morning. I'm at work, 2,300, I come home. Somehow I pretend to get five hours of sleep and I do it again. And I did that for seven, eight, nine years. Um, and I don't know how I'm still married. I really don't. It's very, very fortunate. But I think, like I said, like me and you had that same passion. And I think that was a big factor for us was the war thing. Like we knew we were going to combat, you know, our first couple pumps were combat. Um, these guys don't have that. So it's now it's trying to understand like how to relate to that, you know, yeah. um, or how to change our approach. Cause at the end of the day, you know, at the same time, like they could be honestly, they could be just as passionate as us, but they just do it different. You know, like for us, like there's guys that love being a sniper, but they don't care about ballistics and I can't argue with them. Right. Cause you know, I used to talk about that all the time. I'm like, and I always fall back to ballistics because that's like the easiest like example. Like we're teaching this ballistics class. I'm learning about Burden, Burger, this type of primer, that type of powder, this type of bullet, this type of this. And I'm like, hey, Sergeant. I was like, yeah, what's up, man? I was like, hey, what type of bullet do we shoot? Oh, we only shoot this one round. So the last 15 slides have nothing to do with that bullet? No. Why the fuck am I learning it then? I only want to know about this bullet because this is a bullet that I have to shoot, right? Because that's what's approved and that's what's authorized. So I can see where it's like they get, and I say, I use ballistics a lot because, you know, like me and you talk about the time, we're like, man, you're still shooting through eight. I'm like, that's all I need to know how to shoot, dude. Because if we go to war tomorrow, guess what I'm shooting? Um, so I never expanded bullets and I know we've talked about it, Like we were talking about yesterday, like we need to get you to like learn other bullets, something, you know, cause I know them in theory, but I don't know them hands on. Um, they, they don't have the same passion because, you know, they don't do what we do. We shoot on the weekends. We go, we go and dig, we do all this, you know, other stuff outside of the, like work related stuff. Um, cause they're in a phase where they're like, I just need to know about the stuff that is pertinent to my job. And after that, I don't need to know it. Um, so I can understand it. Um, I'm not saying I like it or I agree with it, but I can understand it where it's like, you know, if I need to know how to do, you know, I need to know how to do math. One plus one equals two. Well, I don't need to know why one plus one equals two because one plus one equals two. That's, that's how it works, you know? So I think there's like, it's a weird balance where you have to like, like I said, I was like, I want the guys that are as passionate as we are and are willing to go until one or two in the morning to do stuff. But I understand where there's guys that like, that's just not them. That's not their personality. That's not their style. Um, and they have to learn to accept it. And I've been working on it, <laughs> you know, um, like Francis, perfect example. Francis can shoot. Like he's a good shooter. Um, but I've like said now that I'm older, he's like, yeah, I'm not like after this tour, I'm getting out. I'm like, well, why? Like, we put all this time and effort to get you where you're at. Like, Marjorie, he's like, oh, I'm going to school to be a an orthopedic surgeon. Like, that's what he wants to do with his life. And I'm like, well, okay, I understand that, that takes a lot. You know, that takes just as I would say that takes just as much, if not more, time, effort, dedication, and passion to be an orthopedic surgeon, right? Um, 
So he takes the information that he needs to know. He understands it and he can articulate it and teach it. Um, but he doesn't go any deeper than that because he needs to go focus on his next goal. Um, I don't think we had a next goal. Right? We were like, this is it. We joined the Marine Corps. We were snipers. We hit the goal. Now we just need to make that it. Um, and until, like I said, until you got out, you know, like, and then you started competing and now you're, you know, doing modern day sniper and you're doing, you're teaching, you're doing all this other stuff. Like I can see it here like now too, right? Like um, your, the way you teach what you're willing to do, how you go out, you know, like you do so much more marksmanship wise because you, your passion really like your passion was being a sniper, um, but you thrived in the marksmanship world. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you could stalk. Yeah, you could land nav. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll debate stalking because, you know, International Sniper Comp 2017, I was freaking out a little bit. Um, but, you know, you could, like, you, I would say you never got as in-depth with stalking as you did with marksmanship. Yep. There wasn't that same passion, right? So, like, you, your passion was, and now this is your life. You teach it. You, you legitimately eat, sleep, and breathe marksmanship. And look at where you are now four years later after you got out when all the other noise is gone, all that static noise is gone. It's just hyper-focused on this and, you know, and your family, you only have two things you have to focus on in the Marine Corps. When we're just, as a sniper, like it's, it's not sniper and family. It's sniper in the 7,000 subcategories. So it's like, all right, let me take family and go put this on the back table over here because these seven, these 7,000 subcategories that make this one main category, there's no other time left in the day, in the month, in the week, in the year. Um, so for us, because we had hit that pinnacle, all it was now was just becoming better and better and better, you know, and turning, you know, that piece of clay, you know, into a diamond. Um, these guys, it's not, it's just not the same. Like they're, they're, they're not, not all of them, you know what I mean? But like guys don't have, like they just, they're okay with being good enough um, because they really don't have, they don't have a like a, a driving force behind it. Like they're, they're not worried about going to combat, you know? So they're like, hey, if I can, if I can get, shoot 80 to 90%, if I can do this, if I can do that, and I can complete the mission, I did my job. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just hard for us to like accept it personally because of how we were and just, you know, our, who we are internally as people um, to accept, like, like you said, like, why are you not as passionate? Why do you not want to know this? Um, because that's who we are, you know? And like I said, they, this might be something they wanted to do. But it wasn't, you know, it was just a, a step along the way on their path of their journey to getting, you know, to where they want to, they want to end up at. It's just different. That was my, that's my soapbox on that one. <laughs> so, so where, where are you now or where have you been now? Okay. So we talked about post sniper. Well, we talked about cyber school from 2000 to 2019 to 2019. Yep. In theory, you picked up Gunny, and or did you pick up Gunny before you left? Okay, and so in theory, I got, I got selected. Yeah, 
based off of the Marine Corps, you are supposed to go back to a victory unit, <laughs> but uh, yes, the Marine Corps, certain people in the Marine Corps had bigger plans for you. And so where did you end up? Yeah. So actually um, it was a bit of a weird one. So I had orders to, I'm going to say two, eight, one of the eighth Marines is either two, eight or three, eight. I know it wasn't one, eight, but that's not, doesn't really matter. Um, 10 days before I execute orders, I get a Facebook message from their chief scout, old Jerry. Well, Mark Jerry. He's like, Hey, Gunny or Hey, Sasha, uh, what platoon are you going to? I was like, you're a stummy. Where else would I go? And he's like, well, we just got Baldwin. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, he checked in last week. I was like, what are you, are you serious? He's like, yeah. Well, what had happened was he left SOY the year prior, got there right at the tail end of the workup. So they threw into an infantry platoon. Like, hey, we don't want to break up the continuity of the sniper platoon because that guy, that guy there had did the whole workup and built that rapport and that, you know, that system and that team. So it's like, we'll just push you over internally when we get back. So I can't blame them. Like I would have did the same thing if I was in charge. I would have been like, yeah, I'm not going to mess. I'm not going to mess up this thing. I already, I've been working on for, you know, a year, 18 months, but because the monitors had changed over to Gaminsky, uh, nobody knew he was there. So when he messaged me, I called the monitor and I was like, Hey, you know, Baldwin's there and he's already taking all the platoon. He's like, when did he get there? I'm like, uh, you're the monitor, man. You're supposed to know this. Like you got the screen with the names and the numbers and the stuff. I was like, I found out on Facebook about 30 minutes ago. So he was like, all right, man. He's like, give me three days to find you a new spot. If you don't hear from me, call me. All right. Got it. The next day, the very next day, eight in the morning, I get selected a guy. And I was like, God damn it. Like I knew it was coming, but it was just like that just took my options and strike them. So I text him. I'm like, hey, you're probably tracking. But the, the selection board came out and he goes, yeah, man, you're not making this any easier. And I was like, dude, it's May. I had orders last September. This is not my fault. Um, so he called me back about an hour later. He's like, I got three options. They're all instructor billets. That's the only way I can keep in the sniper community. Like you can go to Bridgeport, take over Mountain Sniper, which, or I wouldn't take over, but work at Mountain Sniper because Bazone had just got there about a month before me um, or before I was supposed to leave. You can go to 29 Palms, take over the new sniper, but the the new reemergence of the old sniper section that used to be there. I guess there was one a long time ago. I didn't know that. Uh, I think it was like before we got in. Um, or you can go to second EOTG take over urban aero sniper and i was like well my family already lives in north carolina uh bought a house when i was on leave in january uh i would like to continue to go to north carolina like that was the plan and he's like all right hold on i gotta call the recon monitor because i don't own that billet <laughs> i was like oh, okay cool um so about 10 minutes later i had a call from the recon monitor and he's like hey uh master gun so-and-so or master Arm so-and-so you want to come over here yep what are your qualifications this 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 and this and he goes, okay, sounds good. I'm going to call the uh, master guns over there. You should get a call from him in the next like 15, 20 minutes. Roger that, master. 15, 20 minutes goes by. He calls me, same thing. Hey, you want to come over here? Yep, where are you at? I'm at the schoolhouse right now. What's your qualifications? You know, same list. He goes, perfect. That makes my life super easy. He's like, when are you supposed to leave? I was like, I'm supposed to leave in two days. 
And he's like, oh, I'm going to get that push to the right and you can come next month. And I'm like, no, no, no. The boxer already came, picked up all my stuff. I'm sleeping on a cot in the office. <laughs> my family's already over there. I don't need to be here. I got a pair of camis. <laughs> I was like, and uh, two pairs of boots. Like, I'm ready to leave. And he's like, no, 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 we'll give you some time. So monitor called me back. He's like, hey, check in on this date. So I'm like, okay. So I had to go, go back through the checkout process because everything changed. Um, so I ended up just taking like an extra nine days of leave just because I didn't want to like reset anything else. So I was like, whatever, I'll just add nine days of leave onto it. Now I can leave the same day. And then 48 hours later, I drove to North Carolina and relinked up with the family, hung out with them for about 10, 15 days. And then I checked in. And then I've been at second EOTG, Urban and Aero Sniper in the uh, reconnaissance and surveillance section of special tactics branch. So how was that change uh, for you as an instructor, you know, going from uh, the scout sniper POI, which POA stands for program of instruction, um, which is a set curriculum that uh, the schoolhouses, um, Pendleton, Lejeune, Quantico, and Hawaii before they closed had to follow for these Marines to be um, uh, essentially dubbed off as scout snipers. I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, I'm not insulting your intelligence. I'm tell, telling the audience. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got you. So like for you, Matt, how was that change from, okay, like I'm taking a brand new sniper or not even sniper. I'm taking a brand new Marine in theory that has, doesn't know shit about fuck and I'm turning them into snipers then now going to a curriculum where you have snipers or people that should know shit about fuck and then essentially running through running them through a more advanced i would i want to say advanced course um if that's even in in your eyes a thing so it was awesome not because I was teaching quote unquote advanced stuff, but because there is no set. Um, the way EOTG is designed, we have a much more flexible POI. Um, it's actually more of a like a collective training plan. So like you have your standards that you have to meet, but it's not like you got to hit checkpoint one, then two, then three, then four, then five, and then you can then you can do the the evaluation. They don't care how you get from point A to point B. As long as you get there and the guy's cool um, and they meet all their, you, you know, they meet all the evaluations and qualifications to get certified and graduate. Um, so what, like I say, what we were able to do was I uh, got there, met Rob. We flew out to back to the West coast for a month and we shadowed first EOTG. Um, Cause our biggest thing was Rob had never been an instructor. I hadn't been to urban sniper I think it would have been, it would have been like a seven year gap. Um, and I wanted to see what it looked like behind the curtains. I was like, Hey, I want to see how they do everything, how they prep everything. Cause when I got there, um, not to the previous inst chief instructor's fault, but the computer that the work computer that he had everything on literally the hard drive broke within the first two weeks of me being there. So we lost everything. I didn't even have a blank template for a training schedule. Um, so fortunately, the guys over at first, awesome dudes, 
love those guys. Like I hit them up and I was like, Hey man, this is the situation I'm in. And they were like, we got you. So they emailed me a bunch of stuff. So I could, I had templates and all the forms I needed. I could start putting everything together. We put together a pretty solid, what we thought was a pretty solid plan. And then I was like, Hey, you know what, just to be safe, Rob, let's fly out there. We'll shout out them for that month. If we have to make any tweaks or any changes, we'll be with them during the day at night in the hotel room. We'll start making those changes. Um, and then when we fly back, we'll solidify and go. Um, and I mean, it was, again, great group of dudes that I was very fortunate to work with. Like me and Rob, like, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Rob, and we've talked about it. Like the relationship that me and Rob had, uh, I will probably never have one like that again. Um, like what me and you have, like, is different. Like we obviously were, we communicate much better than I think me and Rob do. Like me and you do, but me and Rob, like we'd be on the range and we'd be watching guys training and like going through the course of the fire and something we wouldn't like. And I could just look across the range at him and he'd look at me and I'm, and we would both shake our head and we'd walk, we'd walk to the middle. And I'm like, I don't like this. He goes, yeah, I want to do this instead. And I was like, hundred percent. I was like, as soon as they break for chow, we're going to re we'll, we'll re we'll recap, we'll recork it or recap it or whatever. Um, and we'll do it. Um, and we could fix things on the fly like that because uh, we had the freedom, the left, right, left, left, freedom to make a change like that, just Johnny on the spot. Um, and we were able to find a deficiency and correct it right then, like I said, because, again, like the basic course, it was one of those, like, if you have a problem, you couldn't just fix it right then because you're deviating from that approved POI because it was a very, you know, very narrow path that you had to take. Um, so you would have to you know, do an addendum or do an amendment and do a bunch of paperwork to get it fixed, which guys weren't really good at. Um, but for us, basically it was like, we call our boss we're like, Hey, this didn't work out too well. We want to change to this. And they'd be like, Hey man, you guys are the snipers. You're the instructors. You do what you do. And just let me know if you need help. You don't got to call me and justify anything. And we we're like, Oh, okay. Roger that. So we could fix things like that super quick. Um, so like same thing when we, we went, we did that for the first course, went pretty well. I think we had like 11 out of 12 pass. Um, and that was where it opened our eyes. Cause again, I think Rob is another guy like us. Very not he's not as talkative, but very, very passionate about anything he does. Um, so, you know, we would break down the why we would dig deeper. We would go like, Hey, we should tell them, you know, we would literally break down a course of fire as to like, every single step that we want them to hit because it was a progression. Like we're going to do this first, because if we do this first, it branches off into these three things. And then from there, it branches off into this, these three things. And then it branches. So we could, we would literally like almost like brainstorming, you know, like you do a little circle with the word and you draw the lines. Like we would map it all the way um, from point A to point B in our own path and be like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And then, uh, Fortunately, we were the next year before that course ran, we were able to go to the Pig River course with you guys. Um, I think it was November. Uh, and we did that nine day um, training cycle with you guys. That's when I had Francis and Hans, our two new guys came out. Um, and same thing, like we were going through the classes with you guys. And then at night, we'd be sitting in the room and be like, hey, we're, we're going to steal this training technique. Hey, we're going to steal the way they do this. Hey, we're going to steal the way they do that. 
um, we'll just have to tailor it to, you know, our work guns or whatever, you know, just because, you know, there are some differences, but we were just like, yep. Yeah, and we would sit down and we'd, same thing. We'd be mapping like, yep. Yeah, because I was like, because in our brain, we were like, dude, how in the heck are these two fucking assholes taking some of these students who in theory have much less training than a basic course graduate who's coming to us, right? Cause he's got 13 weeks of training plus platoon training, however many years he's been in the service in a four day course. These guys are going from some of them. I'm like, I saw some other grouping drills and I'm like, Oh man, this guy should not be here. He should have, he should have went to the other course, you know? And I'm like, but in four days, they're going from a four inch group to a one inch group hitting two MOA targets out to like 800 or 900 fairly consistent, not hundred percent hits, but I mean, I, you know, um, and I don't want to name names, but like there was one guy that we all remember that we were like, ah, he shouldn't have been to this course. He should have went to a different one, you know, but we would work with him, and, you know, we helped him out. But I was like, even just watching him, like the, the very worst guy that was at your course for that iteration, like watching him from day one to day four, massive improvement. I would go as far as like two, three, 400% improvement from when he first showed up day one. I'm like, that was four days, four, eight hour days. We have six times that time allotted to us and we're not doing that well. And these guys are supposed to know how to shoot before they get to us. What are we doing wrong? Um, so again, like I said, we were like, we're going to steal this. We're going to steal that. We're going to steal this. We put it in there. Uh, we ran the next course. And literally every single student was like, hey, they were every single student was basically like, I wish we could just stay here and train with you guys all the way to we deploy. They're like, what you guys having us do and the way you were showing us these things, like on no offense to the basic course instructors, but they're like, I wish I just went here and didn't go to basic course because this works better. And I was like, well, you can't. And again, you know, I had to try, I was like trying to save face because I'm like, you can't knock them because they're training you to do a certain thing because you have to have a baseline, but we're just trying to change your baseline to instead of being at level one, you're at like level three and your baseline is now here and you should be able to grow from there, you know? But like I said, EOTG has been an amazing time because we've had that ability to like go to your course, fly here, or if we need to make a change, there wasn't any, there was no pushback. They were like, you guys are here for this job. And you guys are consistent at what you're doing and you know what you're doing and you haven't ever given us any problems. So like, we're going to trust you to do what you, what you need to do to make it work. And it has. Um, and it's also super fortunate because like, you know, if I do have a question or a problem, I'll just, I can text certain people like you or Kalen, you know, or, you know, Gene over at first and I can get the information that I need. Or if I'm like, Hey, I want to try this. Have you done this before? And you're like, Oh yeah, man, we did this before. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do it this way instead. Um, and we can implement it super quick. So like I said, the new crew that they have now, there are, they're at that level because we got them there before, you know, we both left or since I'm about to leave. And I think like that course is going to be able to do the same thing, just continue to grow and clean things up and tweak things. Uh, Cause they'll add their own flavor and their own spin on it, you know, based off of how they teach and, and their experiences. Um, but it's definitely been, as a sniper instructor, it has been the most fun 
And I think I've learned more in the three years that I've been here than I would say the six or seven years I was a sniper before that. Uh, like learned education no wise or about yourself as a, as a, as a gunny, as the, the, I'd say all encompassing, all, all encompassing. Okay. Cause like, again, you know, um, obviously as a gunny, you know, and that's just over time learning, getting more responsibilities, having like, Hey, you now have these added on tasks. Um, being able to have guys that I can trust and be like, Hey, I have to go do gunny shit. So I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and then being able to execute it. Um, cause that's letting me know like, Hey, I showed them how to do this and I showed them correctly. Cause they didn't, they didn't fail the task. Um, so that was good for me to like, okay, like how I'm training my instructor staffs to be self-reliant and not need daddy to come take care of everything is working. Um, and then as an instructor, like I said, being able to see like better methods of getting from point A to point B in more efficient, more efficient manners. Like, um, like just me personally, like I'll say like, since your course and then, you know, listening to Chris Way's podcast and talking to him, uh, I spend so much time at the hundred yard line, so much time, uh, and being able to put my students through those drills and then walk them down there and be like, Hey, when I'm seeing this, this is what I'm thinking. And explain to them like this, you know, you're, you're pushing left. Well, that could be, are you pulling the gun? Are you leaning into it too much? Are you putting too much face pressure on it? Are you bladed? Like being able to look at stuff and analyze it better uh, and explain to them why. Because, you know, like before, like when I was a young pre-sniper instructor, like I see a shotgun spread on a target. I'm like, oh, your parallax is messed up. That looks like parallax. And it's like, no, dummy. Because now I know parallax can only cause this much of a, of a deviation, right? I didn't know that before. I just knew, hey, you got to check a parallax for every single target or you're going to miss. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me do that because it's somebody told me that. And I was, you know, because I was like, someone told me that and it must be true. Yeah. There's no why. It's do this because I was told because somebody probably already figured it out. So why would I question it? Um, and being able to question our methods and our processes and how we teach, not that they're wrong, but like, hey, is that the best way to do it? And EOTG provided me the ability to test things and, you know, prove them wrong or prove them right. Um, or essentially, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Like, hey, we train this. Well, is there a better way? Well, we could do, you know, and I, I hate to bring it up all the time because we do talk about a lot about like the tripod thing. I know that was, there was a lot of pushback from our side and like we talked about it already, but um when I watched that video because of now where I'm at and having, you know, learning how to like analyze things. Like I, I can look at that. I can look at a video and be like, Hey, that's a good idea. How do I apply it to the equipment that I have that I'm going to deploy with? Because I know I can't achieve that exact setup, but can I achieve something similar? You know, like how we talk about, like we don't clip in anymore. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm still having rear elbow support, well, I don't believe in a pump pillow because who's going to patrol the pump pillow? Well, hey, guys, what do we all patrol with? A ruck or a three-day bag. Is that not a pump pillow? You just slide it, and now you have rear elbow support. Those are things that, like, I would not have even pretended to think of, you know, seven years ago. I'd have been like, it's just, you know, just figure out how to get your knee up there so you can put your knee on it, you know? Um or how we used to uh, 
oh, well, you can't reach because your legs are too short. So I would put my rear bag on my knee and then my, my elbow on my rear bag and make this wobbly fuck off thing that I thought was more stable, you know? And then it's like just looking at it for a while and being like, hey, what if we just threw the rear bag on the ground and you stepped on it? And then you put your elbow on it. Oh, holy crap, you know? Um, and again, those are just things that I think it just took time and EHPG provided me the opportunity because again, I got to, I got to work with the mask dudes and see what they're doing. And what's, the same uh, thing what's like, mask real quick? Oh, oh sorry. Uh, the Marsox advanced sniper course. So that's their, uh, it's a soft level one, one course, which I believe is special operations forces level one. So it's, um, it's not that it's like, uh, that they're not doing anything super crazy. You know, it's just their version of the sniper course. Cause like, Marines go through the Marine course, you know, special operators go through a special operators course, army goes to armor army. Um, but there's things that they're teaching there. Cause they have an instructor there. Um, I won't say his name because he's very like, I don't want to be out in the wind at all. Uh, but you know who I'm talking about. Who's been doing this for 22 years. So like, it's a legit, I, the mask is a legit curriculum. I, I want to go through it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so when I watch him teach and I watch these guys do things, and you know what, you know what's crazy? Uh, every one of those guys competes. PRS, Emerald Hunter, USASOC, International Sniper, Scout Sniper Challenge, AFSAM. And they're using PRS techniques. And they, you know, so seeing them, that gave me that opportunity, like I said, to expand my, take my horse blinders off where it's like, they're like, hey, of course I'm not going to bring a pump pillow but I'm going to bring a day back. And I'm like, Oh, or, Hey, you know, like we do tripod like this, but what if you did tripod like this? Oh, you know? Um, and it opened my eyes to where like, I start thinking more of like, what are these civilians doing that we could do in the military using military equipment? Like, how do I simulate that using military stuff? Because I know like, am I going to put 15 pound weights on my gun? No. So what can I do different? You know, so, all right, well, you know, maybe the answer is a sling in a certain scenario, clipping it or going over the shoulder and cinching it down um, or doing tripod rear, you know, like those are things that I'm like, why would I not use tripod rear if I'm in an urban hide in the standing? Like, why would I not? We've got tripods. Just, be like, hey, Johnny, pull your tripod off your stupid ruck and fucking open it up and put it over here. So if I need it, I can grab it, you know. Um, but again, like for a long time, and we all say like, oh, we were very against like, nope, that is a game, not playing it. We're doing real world shit. Like we're doing, we're doing big boy stuff. They're playing, they're playing paintball. But now being able at, like I said, being here, working with mask, going to your course, being more in the non-military community because I've had the opportunity to be able to go do these things, which weren't provided for me before. Cause it was always, you know, work, work, work. I've been able to see these things and be like, we can make these things work if we're willing to find a workaround, adapt our gear and our equipment the best we can. And can I achieve the same level of stability as a really right self tripod with a 32 pound rifle treating a 6.5 Creed more with a tripod rear and a pump pillow? No, probably not. But can I get close? Probably. 
probably get a lot closer than just throwing in a hog saddle, throwing my sling under there, clipping it into my belt and doing the stripper butt. And then, all right, one, two, three, bang, you know? Um, so like I said, that's, EOTG has provided me the ability to do things I couldn't do before and open my mind up. And I think that's why it's gotten me to the level now where I'm that much better of an instructor because I can look at somebody's gear and be like, oh, well, you have that. That's just like having this. Hey, try this. Uh, and it's allowed me to give guys better techniques with the equipment they have to achieve the outcome they want, which is, you know, rounds on bad guys or rounds on targets um, that I would never have been open to before because I was definitely one of those guys where like there is a hard line down in the sand and you guys are on that side and I'm on this side and we don't mix. We don't talk. We don't laugh. We don't slap hands. Don't even look this way. Breathe the other way. Cause I don't even want you to, I don't want your breath to come over here cause it might corrupt me. Um, and I realized that like I was so dumb and we could be so much farther had like, you know, I've been more open to it when I was younger. I appreciate that perspective that you throwing it in there. Cause, um, that is, you know, I, I would say a hundred percent of, it's always been 100% of my intention. Um, as I started to venture out into the competition space of, um, and, and hopefully I don't openly put myself out there, obviously other than Instagram with like the fact that I was a, a sniper, but usually that's not the very first thing that you assume of me. If you see me at a precision rifle competition, I try I to avoid, to, wearing aware of, uh, avoid wearing jerseys and stuff like that anyways. But you know, I use my social media platform really to hopefully show other snipers that a, it's okay to get out of your comfort zone. B it's okay to, to, to get beat by civilian shooters, such as a 17 year old girl or a dentist or uh you know an orthopedic surgeon whatever the case is um or do that 72 it's it's just going to make you better as a, as a shooter um it's going to allow you to be more lethal downrange right um one of my one of my biggest you know i would say uh mentors in the space of who i look up to uh tony paulskill um former gunner uh, he was my cyber school instructor. You know Paul Skill? Yep, um, yep, yep. And uh, my dog just came down. And um, I mean, I remember asking him when he was teaching at cyber school, when he started competing, and then he went to Afghanistan, like how his trip to Afghanistan was. And he was like, easy. And like, that's all he said. And I was like, all right. You know, um, but yeah, I, I think... I'm glad that you're uh, you were able to say that your your words will carry a lot more than mine in the community because I'm just has been. Um, you're still in the fight, which I appreciate. Um, and I think by you saying that out loud, especially for our audience that are snipers, it'll hopefully allow them to you know just get out of their comfort zone and again, we're not expecting you to get out there and immediately, you know, be number one, like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to eat dirt. Right. But oh, yeah. Selling the it today. <laughs> amount of training that you're going to get over a two day weekend or even one day 
shooting 80 to 100 rounds of focused, you know, just precision rifle shooting is just going to make you so lethal behind a an actual sniper rifle, right? A rifle that's meant to kill people, right? But I shoot is a precision rifle that's just meant to shoot steel targets and I have uh, some hunting rifles, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, all right. We are on two hours-ish and I want to still ask you a couple more things with what you've got going on with um, RNS solutions, right? Um, and kind of what your 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 the path forward for you is uh, now that you're leaving second EOTG uh, urban sniper. Okay. Um. So, um, me and Rob, uh, like I say after we went to your course. We came back, we were doing our thing, and uh, our gun, our local gunsmith, who's also a retired sniper, so we ended up having a really good relationship with him. Um, he would do a lot of, like, our high shooter award stuff. Um, he hit us up one day, and he's like, hey, we're going to buy this property and build a range. Because um, there's, no surprisingly, um, something, again, I wouldn't have thought, uh, at least in our area right here around the base, there's not really a range that's farther than 300 yards. So like we want to build, you know, they're, they're not there yet, but they're going to push out to 1100, 1100 yards, which is, you know, Alliance outdoors, uh, out in Maysville. It's like, you know, 20 minutes away from my house, about 30 minutes away from the base. Um, like, Hey, would you guys be interested in teaching classes? Like we want to do marksmanship classes, you know, we'll have some you know, other guys will teach, you know, other classes, you know, pistol, rifle, carpets, but we want you guys to be our precision rifle guys. So we were like, yeah, we're down. Um, so we did one class. Um, it went pretty well. I think we had like 11 guys come out, you know, um, we did a two day class. And then we went back to the office, you know, the next, uh, that Monday and we were looking at each other and like, you know, why don't we just, we should just start a company and do this. We can just do it on the weekends. I was like, why not? I was like, you know, I was like, and I think a lot of that influence was like, you know, you and Kaylin. Um, and I was like, and again, I was like, we're obviously our, our intention was never to like be the next modern day sniper, you know, um, or like snipers hide. But we were like, hey, it's something we can do. We can get some T-shirts. Um, it makes us more legitimate. Um, and it makes side cash doesn't affect our work. There's no conflict of interest. You know, we're not we're not doing it during work hours. Um, and really it was like, Hey, basically like we could buy better tripods we could buy better guns. Like it was a way for us, you know, continue to fuel our passion of getting into more shooting, you know? Um, and if we, you know, if it worked out well enough, you know, we could pay for our own match fees and we could drive to some, some matches. So, um, I went online, got everything's put together i submitted it it got approved uh and we you know about january 7th sometime from around there where i got the email back saying hey you guys are officially an llc um so we do we started doing you know like once a month once every other month for you know the last nine months our classes are usually around like three to four people they're not super big um which is fine you know what i mean it, like i say we're just starting but it's been one of those where um we were making side cash. We were getting better gear. Um, and it really made us want to, at least it, it, it pushed us more for the marksmanship stuff, you know? Um, so like Rob started going to matches on the weekends. Um, 
And then Alliance was like, hey, we're going to start hosting like a one-day local club match every month. We want to do it like the third or fourth week of every month. Uh, would you guys mind help setting up the matches? And we were like, yeah, why not? I was like, because again, that would just give us more experience as far as like that competitive space and like how to set up a match. Um, and then we would also shoot them. Um, but again, like we weren't shooting for the price table because we were like, hey, we set the match up. It's an unfair advantage. We just want to shoot. Um because it's training, you know, so we can get an extra, an extra day of training every month in a competitive scenario where like, even though we set the match up and we set the stages up, like we still are under time. We still have to make, you know, on the spot decisions. We still have to make win calls. We still have to work through processes and see um, if our game plan was going to be effective on this tank trap or that barricade or that prop or whatever. Um, So we've been, we were doing that um rob got out he's now in idaho um i've slowed down just because actually this coming up monday i don't know when this will be up in the space um but this coming monday from today i'm driving up to quantico like as you said i get another instructor gig um because i only had instructor gigs available to me once again if i wanted to stay in the sniper community so i'm gonna go check into quantico and start um working that sniper school i believe uh depending on if it changes i just talked to the staff instructor i see up there the other day and i'm going to take over the basic course now instead of uh the employment course and i think that's because there's a lot of not putting it out in the space because you know offset and stuff but there's a lot of changes coming obviously for the marine corps so the the employment course is going through some changes and because he's been up there working that and building that that product and that course it just makes sense for him to retain it instead of me taking it over since it's going to be uh basically another pilot course for a new style of training um so he's going to keep that for this first one and we'll you know probably figure it out down the road if i'm going to take both courses and he's just going to do seven do i see things or how we want to divvy it up later um but um that's the, the plan as of right now so like i said i would like to continue to run courses and do the marksmanship stuff with rns solutions at least down here uh in north carolina because i will be driving back and forth quite often because my family's gonna um probably stay down here for a little while at least um just because the kids are in school and stuff and i don't want to pull them out of school at at their age uh, with you know friends and cheer teams and all that other you know stuff that they're doing um and yeah, I mean, as of right now, that's all I really know, at least for the future. Uh, and I'll do that gig, hopefully, depending on how that works out. Um, that will be my last hoorah before I hang up the pickle suit. And then I uh, join you in the first of div. So, you know, I, I think it's cool that you're going to the schoolhouse, you know, um, it, there's always that, you know, there's always that clash within schoolhouses, Pendleton, Quantico, Lejeune, right? Like, I remember being yeah. an instructor and be like, fuck the other schoolhouses. Like, this is the schoolhouse. And yeah. then, you know, you take your blinders off, you get out and you're like, hey, man, one team, one fight. I should get it. And, and you know, after talking to um, uh, the one of the instructors that's over there now just recently, you know, um, it's our community. Right. Um, and, and because you guys are so close to see like headquarters, like 
that it just makes sense that you guys are the schoolhouse because, you know, with how long it takes just word to travel with you guys being next door. I mean, imagine how long it takes with, with us being in Pendleton for that word to travel. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think, you know, I, I'm super excited for you to, 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 to head over to the Quantico schoolhouse. Um, you've been a great asset to the sniper community, brother. Um, I, I, uh, I admire you not only as a Marine, but just as a human being and, and everything that you've been through from the start of your journey through your, your court martial, uh, being busted down to PFC and then just the <laughs> comeback that you've had, right? Because like, let's, let's be honest, uh, when it, it, it comes time to reenlist, it's crunch time, right? Um, yeah. back when we were reenlisting, like the Marine Corps was downsizing. So it's like, if you had any kind of offenses, any kind of small little things, infractions, like you can say goodbye to reenlistment, you know what I mean? So the fact that you were able to persevere, um, through that is just a testament to a, who you are, B your work ethic, um, and, and C your ability to adapt to every environment that you go through. Um, because again, I, I know how it's like, I was just say not to your extent, but through the, you know, 11 years that I had in the Marine Corps of seeing different leaderships, right? Like it's, it's so hard to, you know, um, get, I mean, it's very rare to get like straight up awesome leadership for three or four units back to back to back. Right. I know there's some toxic, toxic toxicity in there where you really got to buy your tongue. You really got to figure out when you should fight, you know, when it's time to fight. Right. And when it's time to, like you said, shut up in color. And I think you've done a yeah. really great job of doing that in your, um, was it now 17 years of service? Just about. Yeah. Yeah. 17. Right. Like yeah. that's, I think, a, that's uh, a, yeah. 16 and a half, 16 and a half years of service, there. you know? So <laughs> I, I think your, your career is very illustrious for, for our young snipers, for, for guys, hopefully that are listening to this, that are uh, young in the community. And, and, and that's kind of ho- who it's hopefully aimed for as well as our, our, um, uh, our audience. Right. Um, I, I see the effort that you're putting out um, as you prepare your transition uh, to the civilian world, when, whenever that is right. Um, whenever it's time for you to um, you say it's time for you to, to give up the uniform. Um, but I definitely appreciate the efforts that you've made to, uh, be the, um, uh, the middle ground between what we do at modern day sniper with regard to marksmanship and again, how you're able to, to, to look at it the way, what we say and not, not say, oh, what modern day sniper is doing is gospel, but saying, no, this is what they're saying. And this is how now I'm going to take that and apply it to the limitations that we have as Marine Corps snipers. And this is now how I'm going to articulate it to my junior Marines. So they have a better understanding and not because that's the last thing that we want to do right at modern day sniper, because we know how that, that, that works of like, Oh, what this guy says is ominous dominus. And what he says is the fucking truth. No, you know, because things are going to change, right? How people say information is, is and people receive it are, is differently um but i appreciate the efforts that you make by uh being um present in all of our um 
online communications, being present for even our community members, uh, because I know it's making you a better instructor um, overall uh, to be able to communicate to, again, uh, our community, our younger brothers uh, that are freshly new snipers and stuff like that. So um, one of the things that I wanted to let our guys know is um, hopefully uh, come January, um, if you have uh, everything in place, uh, you will be joining me um, as an assistant instructor uh, for Alta Shooting Solutions for our intro to long range and our, um, I believe it's Advanced Competition Clinic. Uh, yeah, for, the, uh, for, for Altus. But uh, if you haven't been to Altus, uh, Matt, you're going to love it there. And yeah, hopefully... it'll be my first time. So like I said, I'm, I think I got it all lined up and I'll be super excited. I think um, you're going to really love the owners there. Uh, they're super cool. And, and that'll be a really good relationship to have now that you'll be at Quantico, uh, especially if you guys decide to do instructor development training. I think they would more than happy to have you guys. Um, and it's just completely out of, um, you know, getting out of Quantico, right? You know, those those ranges there, even though obviously they're great, it's always nice to be able to go outside of um, just your comfort zone. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we talk about. So, yeah. Um, dude, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for your future, the community's future. I think it's in good ha hands. It's always been in good hands with you being around. Um, you I'll know, try. I, I uh, um, I'm hope, hopefully I'm not talking you up too much, but uh, you definitely, you deserve all the credit. Um, there's a lot of Marines that, uh, look up to you, um, that speak highly of you. I obviously, uh, think highly of you. You're, you know, you know, you're one of my brothers and, uh, I'm excited for the future that, uh, is in store for you and your family. And, um, you know, you, you're always more than welcome in Wyoming, uh, whenever you, uh, want to cut out West. Um, I've got guns, yeah. ammo. <laughs> a bed for you to fucking sleep on. I know you're you're pretty simple, and we can go back to our roommating days of San Clemente, California. Word, yeah, we got we yeah we got to plan something. And honestly, man, I appreciate it, um, especially coming from you because, like I said, even though you're like my little younger Filipino brother, um, I, I tell guys a lot, even if they don't believe me. Like you've always been one of the guys that like not only do I physically look up to you cause you're taller than me, but um, like I said, just you're one of those same thing. You've always been one of those guys that made me want to be better. Um, even if it was like, just cause I want to beat him one time, just one time I want to beat him <laughs> still hasn't happened yet. Um, no, you did. Just, you, you did. Yeah. I cheated it, but yeah. <laughs> I cheated it. But um, like I said, just, the, just watching you grow as a dude, you know, um, from, little freaking eyeglasses were in corporal Vallejo yeah. uh, to, to feel the thrill to now, you know, Phil Vallejo running a, you know, running a company and stuff, man, it's been, it's been awesome. Um, and I'm hoping one day to be like, be where you're at. You know what I mean? At least somewhere close. It's just one of those, like, it's awesome to see it. Cause you know what I mean? Like, no matter what, no matter what happened, like I said, you know, you're talking about how you got out and it was, and I don't think you got out in a bad way, but you didn't get out the way you wanted to, but you didn't let it break you. You know what I mean? Um, 
I'm sure it was probably like a rough transition for a short period of time, but you never showed it. Like maybe it probably, you know, behind, behind the scenes, you were probably super disgruntled, but I mean, like in person, like you never showed it, you didn't take it out on anybody. You didn't, you didn't push that on anyone. Um, and I think that's something that like a lot of people don't really like to be proud of, you know what I mean? Like, cause you could have very easily got out and did been like bring court, fuck me. So-and-so fuck me, this fuck me. And just been like an angry old gremlin and you just kept pushing. And I mean, it's, that's the goal, man. Just got to keep pushing, <laughs> whether it's, whether it's 11 o'clock at night and we're doing POI stuff for training schedules or <laughs> podcasts or prepping something for, you know, your next set of students for the next course you're teaching. Or getting it's, picked it's, up at the airport it's awesome. at 1am. Yep. Yep. Um, but it's awesome, man. Like I said, it's, even though, you know, we're separated by time and distance now, like it's still one of those, like when I see it, it's like, yep. All right. Feel so grinding. I'm going to get my happy ass up and start grinding too. <laughs> so awesome. Well, I appreciate you, man. Um, let us, uh, what, what's the best way for some of these guys that are listening to, to, um, to follow you on your social media and if they want training, um, if they're on the East coast, um, I, I, we don't, Caitlin and I don't make it out to the East coast enough, um, obviously cause of travel. Um, so, uh, I mean, you're the next person that I highly recommend to, to train with, um, if they have the uh, time and opportunity. Um, so yeah, go ahead, plug, plug, plug away to, for these guys to, to come check you out. Um, so I mainly just use Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not super active on it, but for Instagram, it's matt.solo0 to the 06 or 006. I should know that, um, but I don't. Um, so it's either, like I said, it's either 06 or 006. Um, hit me up on there. Um, we also have the RS Solutions LTD page. Um, I have... I'm connected to both of them through my phone. So you can hit me up either one there. Um, or you can go to rssltd.net. That's our company page. Uh, and you can message us through there. That, that email will go straight to my phone. Um, and I'm, it usually takes me within an hour to respond. Um, so yeah, if you're in the North Carolina, uh, Eastern North Carolina area, um, you know, within a drive distance of, of Maysville, North Carolina, um, that's where we run all our courses. We're kind of just home based right there uh, for now. Uh, so like I said, we can get something set up. If, it, if it's not going to be a full class that I can run, um, I have a couple guys that I know and trust and we can do one-on-one -on -one training or, you know, small groups as well. Um, it's usually a one day um, just because there's some like some legal rules as far as like shooting on Sunday. So we usually just run a one day class, but we can tailor it to whatever. Um, like I said, I'll usually interact with the guys back and forth. And once I know exactly what you want, um, I can either, either I'll do it or I'll get one of my guys to do it. Um, and we'll tailor that training to what you want. If it's a small group like that. So we're not teaching you stuff that you already know or stuff you, that you're not, that's not pertinent to you. Like if you're a hunter competition style training is not something you may be interested in. So we can tailor that to be uh, more for you to get you exactly what you want. So you, you're getting what you're paying for. Awesome. Well, Matt, uh, thanks again for your time. I know it's probably 1030 there. Um, Mimi, Mimi's, yeah. Mimi's time. Uh, but uh, definitely appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for uh, being who you are. And uh, I look forward to obviously, you know, talking with you um, in the network, not well, obviously on, on, t on text, but 
you know, for the guys that are listening that are part of the network, uh, now you can put a, you know, um, face to the name, to the background of his illustrious service to our, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the, the Marine Corps. My coaster career. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think, again, I, I just, I, I know I enjoyed like knowing your background and where you came from. And I know the people that listen to this podcast would enjoy it um, because I think it's, I think it's truly awesome. So uh, thanks again, Matt, everyone that's listening. I appreciate you guys being uh, members and listeners of the podcast. Sorry. We've been super inactive lately. Uh, you know, we talked about this summer, we bit off a little bit more than we can chew. Uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, with us bringing on Matt to our, um, uh, essentially, um, audience is giving you guys hints that we're, we're starting to think about growing. And, um, you know, like I said, Matt's going to come hopefully, uh, uh, instruct with us alongside me in January. And yeah, we're, uh, we're looking to hopefully expand into to bigger and better things, but, uh, appreciate everyone listening. Sorry for all the F-bombs. It's just, it's just the way it is, you know, when two Marines gets talking. Uh, and we will see you guys in the next podcast. And you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Thanks, Matt. Word.